You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those that? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? The fan holes. Death will be a release for them. We're going to tear everything they care about away. I will destroy and corrupt those who choose to listen to them. Once they have lost all their viewers, I will drive an arrow through their eyes. Slade, your mind has been warped by the Mirakuru. You don't really hate the fan holes, do you? Maybe. Or maybe I'm just a big douchebag. Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Fan Holes Podcast. The pop culture podcast for the fans by the fans. Tonight we are going to be discussing two things. We are going to be discussing card collecting. This is a topic that was brought up by our very own Tony Jackson, and we thought it'd be fun to kind of go into maybe you know some of the different kinds of cards you can collect and how that's applied to our collecting history over the years. And then following that, we're going to be discussing the Marvel Comics Marvel Now event. It's called Marvel Infinity. It just recently wrapped up, probably a few weeks ago. So hopefully we're cashing in on the craze and discussing this, you know, soon enough that it's it's still hot on the hot on the. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's it's still hot and new and fresh in everybody's minds. But also it has been a couple of weeks, so hopefully you won't be spoiled by any of this, because of course it goes without saying this will go into some spoilers. So. I'm Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I'm also joined by three of my fellow fan holes. So why don't you give a shout-out, guys, and let everybody know who's here. Hey, it's Mike Thunderwing, and let us haggle like weak men. Yeah, haggling's awesome. This is Justin, the superior Thunderwing. (laughs) This is Tony, and... I really do think that all life or death situations should be handled by playing cards. Must risk life for cards. All right, so we're we are talking about card collecting. This is kind of a broad topic, so this is just going to be kind of an overview and I guess, you know, the best way to start is just by asking the different fan holes like what kind of cards did they collect and and you know what kind of cards we'd enjoyed as kids and maybe if there's anything that we're you know, still hunting after or collecting now, and whether that has to do with comics or sports or movies or cartoons or whatever. 
So um, I'm going to just kick it off to Mr. Tony Jackson because he was the one who was the uh, brainchild of this whole topic. So I, I'm just curious, like, when you thought of this topic, like, what was foremost on your mind? Like, what kind of cards did you collect when you were a kid, and is there anything you're still collecting now? Or um, It really, the I guess the uh, whole impetus of this was, like, when I was, like, eight or nine, I got a couple of baseball cards. They were kind of cool. And then in the 90s, um, like, Fleer, Upper Deck, and, like, you know, Tops, you know, they started releasing these really nice baseball cards, glossy finish and all this stuff. And I never really got into baseball cards that much. I had a couple, never a big sports fan. But then uh, with the 90s boom in comics, there were so many, like, cards, like cards were pack-ins for Wizard and comics. And you would have these Hall of Foil cards and all this stuff. But they also had, like, legitimate dedicated series you know you could get like you know 120 cards from like you know this or this or this and it kind of like brought me back to my childhood with like baseball cards and also garbage pill kids if you guys remember those guys yeah yeah and, i i remember it was it was essential that i hunt down the dribbling Derek card because it had my name and it was the proper spelling of my name which was you know <laughs> d-e-r-e-k and then and then they're like oh yeah you got to get the dribbling Derek card like for some reason i think my aunt was always obsessed with that where she would she would either send me stuff or make me aware of stuff where if it was my name and it was spelt exactly like my name like if it was d-e-r-r-i-c-k then she wouldn't care but it was like Derek, I'm going to send you something. I'm like, okay, it's a Barbie doll. I'm like, why are you sending me a Barbie doll? Because he's from Barbie and the Rockers, and his name is Derek. Like, just like your name. And I was just like, okay, thanks. You know? So. It wasn't like a backhanded comment where she was like, you know, oh, it's your name and stuff. And you dribble a lot. So I think this would be really good. <laughs> no, I think, I think the card was actually, like, he, he ripped off his own head, the Garbage Pal Kid, and he actually, like, dribbled his own head and, like, slam-dunked it or something. I, I, I don't know if it was that in-depth, oh, like but that was, that was the idea of the card. I, I, I specifically remember that one because I'm narcissistic and it has my name in it. So that's that's what I remember about Garbage Pal Kids. So. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, totally not. I, I'm sure there was a Tony in there somewhere. Probably a Mike and a Justin, too. But, uh, but um, yeah, like I said, the, there's all these comic book cards. And I don't know why. I can't tell you why. I really can't. But I was kind of into them. There was, like, DC sets. There was Marvel sets. Um, at one point, they got really expensive on some of the sets, like Marvel Masterpiece. There were Star Wars sets, Star Trek. Like, cards just boomed because they were going to all these different things. <clears throat> and I I kind of got, you know, roped into it. I'm not going to lie. You know, it was like 90s mentality. You know, it was like, oh, this will be worth something. It's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. But also, I like these. So it was kind of like a equal mindset. Is like I like the cards, but as I stated before, we started uh, doing the broadcast. I was like, I feel stupid now because I was like, "Ooh, I got a hologram card. I did some awesome shit." And it's like, no, you you really didn't. But um, <laughs> well, yeah, there, but, there was uh, that odd aftermarket, secondary market for a lot of those. For, case for like, cards. yeah, three or four years. Yeah, they were really expensive. Yeah. Because I remember you would go in and, you know, whatever the series was, whether it was like a Skybox DC set or like a, you, you're trying to say, I'm trying to remember all the different, there was like an Impel G.I. Joe card set. Like there were lots I of I had all those too. I just know, remember like, 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 you know, and Tops was the one who made the, <laughs> the Star Wars Galaxy card set, like all those kind of, but when yeah. they had the chase cards, it was always like, I remember, you know, it was annoying because. I think I've discussed this with Justin before, but Justin's always like, "Do you like the the 
thrill of the toy hunt, and I was always like, fuck no. And it's kind of like, <laughs> I feel the same way. I feel the same way about cards and stuff. So, like, I was lazy even back then. It was like, wait, you mean I got to buy a pack of cards, dig through it, I could possibly get the same fucking cards I bought, like, for the same amount of money and not get a hologram? So I was always like, fuck this shit. I'm buying the whole fucking case. And that's, like, what I would do. But then even then, I was telling Tony before the broadcast, it's kind of still sucked because you, it's like, you know how, like, when people buy cases of figures and they're all happy because they're guaranteed the build-a-figure? Like, oh, if you buy this case, then you, you get the whole the whole enchilada. But even back then, I remember I would buy things like the Skybox DC sets, and I really liked those. And it was like, yeah, maybe I got Lobo and Batman and Superman as a hologram. But then I'm like, you know, oh, where the fuck is, you know, Wonder Woman or, you know, whoever the other hologram was. And it was like, you only got, like, you know, three of the four hologram cards or something. And I was like, this is bullshit, man. I bought a whole fucking case. Like, you know, and then on the, the secondary market, it'd be like, oh, that one card you didn't get, that'll be 45 bucks, son. And I'm just like, what? Like, this sucks. But, yeah. So. Yeah. And I guess to uh, finish my, my brainchild on this as far as, like, why I thought of it, cards kind of took a different direction near the late 90s because there was this wonderful thing that came out called Magic. Um, Magic the Gathering was a CCG game. It was a, actually a rather new concept. It was a collectible card game. You could actually collect them and just enjoy the artwork if you really wanted to, but for a lot of my friends, not me, that was a pussy way out. You had to play this game, and there were so many people. It was like, people talk about World of Warcraft being like World of Warcraft, but Magic was so fucking ridiculous when it first started. People were playing it everywhere. It was like nerd candy. I mean, people were buying booster packs and starter sets and just going hog wild. I never got into it. I played Magic a few times, not many times, <clears throat> and it didn't really, like, you know, set with me. I also played, there was a Star Wars CCG game, which I actually enjoyed. I thought it was kind of fun. It was right after Episode One, so I was like, oh, this game is not as crap as the movie, so I'm going to play this. And um, I also played Pokemon, which... <sighs> That was a, that was a girlfriend thing. Just just give me a little bit of leeway. So, but it, it's really funny how cards actually got revitalized by the CCG thing. So me myself, I like collecting. Well, I did like collecting. I don't collect them now, <clears throat> but I, I like the uh, collectible like mentality of getting all these cards with all these characters you like to stuff like that. The CCG thing, I don't have a problem with at all. I mean, I know a lot of people still love it. Magic the Gathering is still going on strong. There's a lot of people that there's Yu-Gi-Oh! Never fucking touched it. Um, you know, it's not time to did it, did it, did it, duel for me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there, there, it's, I mean, the, 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 the aspect of playing with cards as a game has really evolved. And it, it's, it's a pretty big industry. I mean, you, you go to a retail store now and you still see, you still see fucking Yu-Gi-Oh! And you still see magic and you still see, like, you know, people trying to cash in on that, like, collectible card game thing if they go away after a few months. So... Like, cards, cards never really disappeared. They just, you know, evolved and turned into something else. Yeah, it seems very interactive. I mean, I, I never participated in any of that stuff. It's kind of beyond my time, you know. I'm like, oh, I remember when cards, you just bought them and looked at them. But, like, now you kids, you're playing games with them and stuff, you know, or whatever it was. But um, I do notice, like, when you'd go into, like, shops sometimes, you know, they'd have their own little mini tournaments within local shops, and then, you know, there could even be, you know, bigger tournaments outside of that, whether it's at, you know, conventions or something. So, I mean, I guess people enjoy 
you know, competing against one another, you know, I mean, I imagine it's like the circuits where people play, you know, Street Fighter and fighting games and different things like that and compete against one another, you know, in tournaments to win, just like they would, you know, at any other kind of convention outlet, you know, whether it's like a costume contest or, you know, some kind of skits or, you know, different, whatever things do that fans have, you know, interest in and, and sort of in a competitive arena. So that's pretty cool. Well, I guess I would post this to our, you know, younger fan holes members. I'm sure they were obviously alive in the early 90s because they know a lot about 90s comics. But did you guys, like, get into, like, the uh, more comic and, like, you know, kind of geeky just, like, car collecting? Or have you guys ever, like, actually played, like, Pokemon or Magic or anything like that? I, I did play Pokemon, like, for a few, like, a little while at least, like, during, like, the height of, like, you know, Pokemon's, like, popularity. I mean, that must have been, I think, like, maybe my freshman year of high school, maybe. And, like, I, I actually I actually was in a, like, tournament. It was, like, a little crappy one, like, in the food court of a mall. And I felt like <laughs> me and my friends, like, all felt kind of, like, like, scummy being there because mostly, like, our competition was, like, all younger than us, basically. So I was like, <laughs> oh, man, we got to, like, beat up a bunch of kids. Like, oh, man. <laughs> like, I don't know. But, People like, just I, I, walking by me and, like, why is that 14-year-old with that 7-year-old? <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I, I like... The first kid I, like, had to play, like, didn't know how to play. So, like, I pretty much taught him how to play, and then I was like, okay, well, I'm taking the win by default for this one. And in return, I don't tell anyone you don't know how to play. Like, kid, like, I'll keep your shame. <laughs> like, and then... Like, <laughs> my advice is so hardcore. Exactly. I'm making, like, backhand <laughs> deals with people. Like, like not only will I steal your candy, but I'm not going to embarrass you that you shit your pants in front of all these kids. So go about your business, <laughs> kid. About your shame, move and you move along. Move along. <laughs> you live, then, then you live I, with your I, shame. You own it, <laughs> you seven-year-old kid. <laughs> And then, and like, I remember the second kid I fought, like, he knew what he was doing, but, like, I, I legitimately beat him, but then I realized, like, later, like, I had used, like, an attack that I didn't actually have enough, like, energy for, but I didn't say anything, so I was like, well, technically I cheated, but, like, I didn't, like, I didn't realize I had cheated, so, like, it was all good, so, I, and then, I, I've heard then about I, this in the, in the past, and it, I didn't hear about so much of Magic, but I heard about it with Pokemon a lot, if it wasn't a sanctioned tournament where, like, you know, they have rules and have people walking around watching and stuff, I heard a lot of people, when they played, they would put a card up, like a really rare card, and if you won that game, you would get that card, and if he won, you put your own rare card up. Did you ever do that kind of, like, you know, kind of black market kind of hustling? No, no. There, there, were, no, there were no high stakes for the... I, I think it was just like Silver Dragon or whatever. It, it is. was just like a, a gift card for like the comic book shop that put up the tournament, basically. Oh, so like, you actually played like kind of a sanctioned tournament. There was yeah. rules and shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and okay. then like okay. so whoever whoever made it to like the finals got this store sponsored prize. Yeah, it was like it was like piddly. It was like twenty five bucks to the store or whatever. Okay. But, but uh, the the then I I played this like thirty year old guy and lost to him. So then I felt better that I was like beating all these kids. <laughs> it was like okay, well I guess I got my just desserts there. You like demolished. Me. And I was like curse you. <laughs> like, so the the comic store guy from The Simpsons beat you in a Pokemon tournament. It, no, it was it was uh, it was better. It was, he's gonna go back to his basement and eat his like little Caesars. <laughs> it was what's his face? It was Seto Kaiba. He was. Uh, like, 
<laughs> he was like, I beat you in this children's card game. <laughs> my intellect is so much more better than yours. Not my grammar, but my intellect. I own a multi-million dollar corporation, and I'm going to play this children's card game. I didn't believe in the heart of the cards enough. That's what right it was. Why the fuck does my coat just, like, spread out of my ass when I walk around? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, before that, like, just to give some history, like, I think the first time I became aware of, like, card collecting is, like, when I was much younger and, like, my friend showed me he had, like, Transformers trading cards, like, from, you know, like, obviously from around the 80s, probably 85 or 86, because, I don't know, it, there were some, like, just pictures of the box art, and then the back of the cards had, like, their tech specs and whatnot, and then... Wow, holy like, shit, I never knew about those, that sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah, and then it, there it were doesn't like, sound familiar to me at all, actually. There were there were screenshots of the cartoon and stuff, and then like on the back it would say like so and so does so and so. And I remember um it was funny because I remember there was a screenshot from like the very first episode of like Ratchet, Cliff Jumper and Hauler, and on the back of that card it called him Grapple, so I was like, Oh, well the cartoon said his name was Hauler, but like I know like like, I've never seen Hauler before, and Grapple looks just like him, so I always assumed they were, like, the same guy. So, like, like uh, I was kind of like, oh, well, that's kind of, like, cool, but... I'm eight years old, and you just blew my mind. <laughs> it's, not, yeah, exactly. it's not really card collecting, but the closest thing I can remember to that was those Panini sticker books, where you would buy packs oh, of stickers yeah. to, like, fill out the whole book. So it was, yeah. like, it was of Transformers the movie, and, like, I had one too, yeah. you yeah. would just buy, like, all these... You know, and it came with, like, 3D glasses or something, and you no, just it, buy it came with these. a tech specs decoder, because so, some of them were garbled. Right, right, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. So you could, like, actually read some of the pages and stuff, but mostly you were just spending all this money on stickers so that you could fill out all the sort of animated... You know, it was kind of like getting cards, I guess, in a way, so... Yeah. And, um, and then, like, okay. eventually, like like Tony said, like, eventually I got into collecting, like, Marvel cards and stuff, and, like, all, like, X-Men and Marvel Universe cards and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, Like, I, I remember I was, I used to collect, like, these Marvel Universe, like, specific, like, this specific line, and, like, I swear to God, like, every pack I bought, there was always a card of fucking Gatecrasher in it, so I ended up with, like, eight. <laughs> Eight gate crashers, and I'm like, man, fuck you, gate crasher! Like, like remember this fat so bitch much. from the SGR? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no, like uh, the TechNet. Yeah, that was from Excalibur, right? Yeah, or Fantastic Four, maybe. I don't, I don't even well, know. The, the, it's, it's, it's an Excalibur right? thing, I think. But they, the Claremont kept using them in his crappy Fantastic. Oh, okay, yeah, that's probably uh, where I. That's probably why you too. know them as Fantastic Four characters, which <laughs> it's not true. Don't shame the Fantastic Four. It's all. <laughs> It's all Excalibur, but yeah, I, yeah I, I remember. Oh God, Tony! Oh no, I, I was just gonna say like I, I was gonna give a shout out to Justin because he sent me a little package one time, and it, it actually contained a packet of Alf cards. <laughs> remember Alf? He's back in trading card form. Speaking of, what, what about you, Justin? Like, do you want to share anything about how you were first introduced to cards or card collecting? Like, whether it was sports cards or comic cards or sure. Uh... As a kid, they were just kind of things to have. Like I had a lot of, you know, Tim Burton movie, Batman movie cards, and Ninja Turtle, like the movie cards and the cartoon series cards. Like, yeah, I didn't really collect them. They were just kind of like 
you know, I bought them because they were those things, because they were Batman, because it was Ninja Turtles. That's why I had them. Um, it wasn't until that, like, the Jim Lee X-Men Trading Card series that I really started, like, seeking them out and buying uh, them okay. actively because I thought – I was like, man, Jim Lee's awesome. His art's so yeah. great. Yeah, um, And I remember, like, there was – um in that series, you could put together a danger room sequence. You know, it's like you had to buy all these different cards to complete it, you know, because each one was a piece of it. But the only ones I ever had was, like, Wolverine and Cable, and I still, to this day, I don't know, like, what the complete sequence looks like. It's, yeah, actually, it, actually, if I remember right, if you had a binder, they had nine-card yeah. sleeves. You put all the nine cards in there, it would make yeah. a, a kind of a big panoramic, you know, image. Yeah, I know yeah, what you're it was like a, it was like a splash page. I always thought it was kind of odd because it was a danger room shot, and this was kind of pre the days of Cable is an X-Man, you know, it was more like I was thinking, oh, well, Cable's part of X-Force, so it was always funny to me. I, if I recall correctly, like, Cable was either on the left side or almost in the center of the Danger Room shot, so I was like, it just seemed weird to me. I'm like, well, there's Nightcrawler and, well, you know, whoever it was, there were there were nine cards, so I, I'm assuming there were, like, nine guys, but they didn't seem like any X-Men team that you'd ever seen assembled to that point. It just seemed like <laughs> it was a bunch of cool X-Men you know, what gatecracker doing here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that kind of that kind of thing. Um, what else? Oh, oh, I was going to make a. Since, since I was make a said, oh, go ahead. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump in, but I, I was thinking about what Justin was saying about saying about this. And he can jump in too because I know he got it too. With like the uh, the kind of TV series and the uh, kind of wax packs. That's what I used to call them, the wax packs cards before they really went high end. With like the you know the foil, like you know rip the card open package and like, you know, like magic and stuff. They used to, like, we called them wax packs because they were just kind of waxy paper. And do you guys remember the horrible fucking gum that came with those? Yes. <laughs> uh, Justin wanted me to eat some of that gum when he sent me a package. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I haven't even, he sent me Dune cards, which is freaking awesome. But like, I haven't even opened them. Cause I just, I love the fact that I'm like, wait, I have a package of Dune cards it's unopened and it still has that nasty ass fucking gum inside. Like, how cool is that? Like, I don't know I, why. I just think that's awesome. I'm pretty sure if you chew that gum, the sleeper will awaken. Yeah, I know, dude. My <laughs> eyes will get all fucking blue and I'll start yelling at people and ripping their rib cages out. It'll be sweet. Um, what I was gonna, what I was gonna relate to with uh, Justin's statement about the teenage mutant, uh, teenage mutant ninja turtle cards and the Tim Burton Batman cards. I had so many of those motherfucking things. And and it, like right. Justin was saying, it wasn't like I really collected them. Like I wasn't really trying to assemble like all 120 cards, like Tony you was just saying. Had it was just like you just had them. So I had so many of them. What I used to do is, you know, those short boxes of comic books. I used to take the Turtle and Batman cards, and I would just scotch tape them to my short box of comics to, like, decorate them, like, as, like so that, you know, instead of it just being a white box of comics, it would have, like, all these images of, you know, movie turtles or cartoon turtles or, you know, Batman Returns or Batman 89. Like, they'd be all over the frickin' um, short box of, of comics or whatever, like, decorations and stuff. So it wasn't like I, 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 I did not... Um, manage those cards as a quote-unquote collector. It was just kind of like they were just there. And, and and also similar to what Justin was saying, like once that Jim Lee set came out, or similar to Mike, like once the Marvel Universe cards, and then since I was a DC fan too, that first set of Skybox cards, like those are the cards I actually still have, and they're all in 
Is that you the know, one that had the fine. Golden Age, Silver Age, Modern uh-huh. Age set? Cause yeah, I, yeah. I, I really like yeah. those. I remember trying to collect, like, all three versions of, like, different characters, because, like... Yeah, and, it was like, like, you know, they had, like, the first... I, I think they only did that, like, with the big major characters, so I think, like, yeah, if, was, you, if like you had a binder... Or, or so cards, yeah. If you had a binder, like, the first three or four pages would have been like that, where it was, like, Dan Garrett and Ted Cord or whatever, you know, like, to delineate, like, Golden Age and Silver Age and then Modern Age... And then, like, they, they would do the same thing with, like, Superman and Luthor and Batman and different guys like that. So I, I always thought those were kind of cool. Like, I, I another thing I was just mentioning to guys in general before we started the show was it might be kind of fun to do, instead of a page-by-page page with, like, the comics, you know, it might be fun to pick out one of those series, whether it's the Jim Lee Skybox or something like that, and just do a card-by-card card or something like that. <laughs> And kind of examine all those, because I I, I remember enjoying all those things, especially because I think uh, a lot of those were kind of cool splash pages, but on little cards. So I think uh, a lot of my interest in drawing pinups, and and at the time, like, it was really easy to sort of, you know, see those pinups and even ape those shots from different things, where I'd be like, oh, this is cool, I can, like, swipe this Jim Lee image from this cool card here, and then, you know, all the, the girls and, and guys in my class would think I was really cool because they'd go, oh, you're doing, like, really nice drawings. And I'm like, I'm just aping Jim Lee and, doing, you know, doing my thing. But, you know, it was it was fun to sort of be inspired by a lot of that stuff. That's actually one of the really interesting things about the Marvel cards. Um, I don't know about the DC ones. I, I would hope so because there was some good art on those. There was some really good art on those. But I do remember there was a point where the card collecting had gotten so serious. It's like, it doesn't even matter if they're hollow foil cards or like the, the chase ones. But if you had like, I remember in one of the Marvel universe ones, Wolverine, his character card was drawn by art Adams, who was still really popular at the time. And his card was higher because it was art Adams. Yeah. Yeah. That's true too. Yeah. As far as like other cards go, like other card games and such, like I, I remember being like really into the star Wars, like customizable card game for, a, a few years. I remember, like, me and my buddies got into it, like, right around when the special edition hit, so we were, like, crazy about anything Star Wars. So we really It was really to... fun, wasn't it? It was more yeah. fun than Magic. So you, um, guys, you guys have both played that game. Like, for someone like me, like, who's never played it, like, could you just give a brief sort of explanation of what it is you do and, you know, kind of what you, you know, ba- basically found entertaining about the game? Well, I think Justin has played it more than I have. I played the, uh, Phantom Menace kind of edition that came out after the movie, but he, he played the original one, so I'd, I'd go to him on that. Um, I'm trying to remember. I You would either be you know the Rebel Alliance or the Empire. I never played the Phantom Menace edition, but you would basically just have like several star systems based on like whatever planets you had in your deck or whatever. And I remember like a, my friend, he was the Empire, and he like built up his forces around Hoth. He's like, I dare you to attack Hoth. He's like, I got a Star Destroyer. I got all these TIE Fighters and Interceptors. And I, like, completely went around Hoth and attacked him at some other planet and wiped out his hit points, and he got so mad. Um, but, like, the specifics of the gameplay, like, I, it's been so long, I, I don't remember. That's cool, though. I mean, it, it sounds fun. You're like, Ewoks of Endor, unite! Uh, like, my... My brother was heavily into Pokemon, but I never really played. But I was really into Magic for a long time, like probably like uh, I don't know, like from eighth grade, like well past high school. I was never in any official tournaments. Like a lot of my friends were, they would like 
spend crazy, crazy amounts of money on cards. Like you know, they would yeah, drive like, all the way to like they would drive all the way to like Roanoke just to pick up one specific card from one comic shop and all this other stuff. But like, I, yeah, I, I was never like that good. But I, I enjoy playing a lot. And we we would always like if we were gonna bet anything, we would bet like some really valuable card. Or sometimes it would be like you know. You know, whoever loses has to buy pizza for you know for the five of us for one night. Or something. So you guys did play for wagers and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember, yeah, like a bunch of my friends were really into magic, and they'd try to teach it to me, but I, I, I don't. I remember not being interested in it. Like, I just feel like these cards are like so boring looking and stuff. So, well, yeah, I was, I was going to ask Justin that because he was talking about how he played it for a while. Is like. I don't have a problem magic. I don't think it's stupid. I don't have a you know like an issue with it. I'm like, oh, magic players are stupid. I just never got into it. Like, the, what was so awesome about that it pulled you into it? I'm just kind of curious. Um, I always saw it as kind of like, I don't know if this will make sense, but I thought it thought of it as kind of an alternate way of playing chess because a lot of it is chance. A lot of it is based on like how you build your deck. I mean, you can just use a standard deck that you buy in the store, but you know, a lot of it is customization, you know, buying those rare and expensive cards and playing with them. And just, I think, I I never played Yu-Gi-Oh, but I, I liked watching the cartoon because I could see, like, a lot of, like, you know, not hard of the cards, but just, like, random chance. You're like, man, if I can draw this one card, I could totally win because I've only got, like, you know, two hit points left, and I really need it. And then it's like you either get it and you win or you don't get it and you lose. But I, it, it was, was dramatic, but you could see where it was coming from. Yeah, I, I always saw it as being like more cerebral, and I always appreciated. You know, I, I love fantasy stuff, so I was like, it's like playing a more cerebral version of chess, if that makes sense, with like fantasy elements, because you've got like zombies, griffins, you know, wizards, whatever. But I don't know if that makes sense, but that's just the way I saw it. It's it's funny, like years and years after I stopped like playing Pokemon, like I one day I like kind of like looked up to see what the status of like the game was, and like it seemed like cards that I had used like way back when like were now like banned from official play because yeah. they're broken, like they're too powerful. Now. Yeah, they do that with Magic a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I like yeah, it's like like I remember the card Bill, which Bill, like the Pokemon scientist, was in his the card was just draw another two cards, and now it's like Bill's banned. He's too powerful. <laughs> like I, I do remember one, Justin. I think you I think you might know this one since you played it more than I did. But like I, I remember like there was a big thing where like the Black Lotus got banned because yep. it was really too powerful. Yep. Um, I kind of found this out a while back too. Like a buddy of mine was getting married and took a to kind of like fund all the expense, he was selling all of his magic cards. And he went to sell them to the local comic store guy, and he's like, well, you know, these are really great cards, but like over half of these are banned now. He's like, this Black Lotus is worth, you know, so much, but it's banned, and all these other great cards are banned. But, uh, you know, I thought that was crazy. You can use it, yeah. Does that make the cards less desirable or more desirable? Well, he he still like sold them and you know, had a pretty good wedding and such, so... Okay, okay. I, 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 I'm think just, I, I was curious, because I'm not sure how that... I was like, it's banned, so, like, I was like, is that just one of those things where you're like, people just buy them and frame it and go, ah, oh, memories, when I used to be able to pull two cards with Bill, the scientist guy from Pokemon, or, you know, yeah, I'm just not sure. Uh, uh, I guess the last thing I was going to hit on when I was making notes on this is, like, do you think it's really kind of impressive that, like, the collectible card gaming arena, how it <clears throat> had got so popular? 
Because really, at the end of the day, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, there's a couple other games that are really, you know, basically based on CG. Like, Pokemon was, like, kind of a dual front. It was a video game and the card game. But, like, we have actually had animated series based on collecting cards and playing cards. And, I mean, do you think that's, like, really cool? It, like, you, you know, it helps the... Uh, the, I guess you say the industry of making like you know collectible card games, or do you think it's just really stupid? Because like Yu-Gi-Oh, I think the series is really silly. I think it's got like some really like you know weird funny points, but at the same time, like Justin said, if you're into this kind of shit, if you're really into card games, when you watch them do this on the like show, you're like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. You know, like they're being over dramatic at points, but they're 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 showing the strategy in a dramatic way. So it's kind of you know inspiring people to buy the product do you think that's like really like kind of cool that it's actually got to that point like toys where like in the 60s and 70s toys were just toys but then when like you know we had the big 80s boom with toys people were like oh toys are really fucking awesome everybody wants toys you know it's like a progression of you know not just marketing but seeing something you enjoy in a in an entertainment way you know like seeing something like seeing people play cards yeah. and you can get behind characters and people like you know doing things with their card, you know, like being heroes and stuff. Is that, like, kind of a cool draw? Yeah, I, yeah. I always thought that was really cool. I mean, like I said, I, I never played Yu-Gi-Oh!, but I was always, like, drawn into watching the TV series. And I remember, like, I remember it was, like, a huge thing among me and my friends. Like, some of us had fell out of watching Yu-Gi-Oh!, but, like, it was, like, a huge event. They advertised, like, the last week of episodes. And we were like, oh, man, we got to watch this. And I remember, like, being really into it. And I also remember, like, going somewhere like Big Lots or the Dollar General store, and they had, like, action figures of the three god cards. Uh, like, I, cool. I can't remember their names, but I still got those figures. I was like, man, this is so awesome. And I spent, like, all my money on those three action figures. And I remember just sitting down and watching the those last couple episodes, and I was probably, like, I don't know, 22, 23 or something. But I was like, I was like <laughs> this is awesome. And then I kind of was like, eh, this is a bit silly. Um, but, yeah, I think that's neat. The Pokemon doesn't really rely on the cards as far as like its aspect of it's like the tv series doesn't involve the cards at all neither does the video games but like i think that's what makes pokemon really great it's like i never played pokemon either but i always i liked playing the games a lot too i mean they're basically rpgs and i really like a lot of the pokemon movies i think a lot of those are like really well done and really well animated like i, I was at the mall the other day and i saw like some kind of like weird like uh toboggan like in the shape of Pikachu's head and I picked it up I was like this is actually pretty neat but I kind of <laughs> feel like if I were to buy it and wear it I would be like a little too much like hipster because I'm like 30 and I'm wearing like a Pikachu toboggan I'm like uh, uh, it's kind of too old for this no matter how cool I think it is yeah I, I like adventure time but I'm not going to wear a fan hat sorry <laughs> yeah that's the way I feel too I was just gonna say, I think it's 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 like escapism, like like you know anything else, yeah. pretty much. You know, it just takes like a, a different form, and you know, you know, obviously people are gonna say, well, that's just you know blatant, like you know consumerism or whatever. But I think if they can make it like as entertaining and like palatable as possible, you know, it's all in good fun, basically. I mean, that's that's basically what they're doing with like Gundam Build Fighters right now. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, wouldn't it be nice if there was a world where, like, all disputes and all wars are solved by, like, playing cards or, like, fighting little plastic monsters or models or whatever, you know? It, it, probably, nice. it probably wouldn't be because then it'd get all hardcore and we'd have, like, the 
metal, like, silver throat-cutting Joker cards in these panels. <laughs> Just to let but, you know, uh, Mike, yeah. I have installed a titanium rod in my death site, and I've also <laughs> supplemented his wings with durabilium armor, so next time we fight, <laughs> it will be different. <laughs> It's like, I'm going to lose, and then the guy just takes out a gun and shoots the other guy. <laughs> like, oh, no, I win. Awesome. Um, I, I guess, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I guess since it was my idea, I'll, I'll close this out. Um, are cars just one of those things that, like, is just nostalgia, or would you guys ever be, like, you know, if you saw a really cool card set, it doesn't matter if it's CCG or just cards, you know, just, like, really cool artwork, could you ever see yourself being, like, I'm going to pick that up, you know, because I've done that a few times. I've looked at some card sets and I've been like, I kind of want it, but, you know, I collect so much shit, I just don't do it. But, like, there is kind of an appeal there still. For for me, there's a lot of nostalgic appeal. I don't know about something brand new. Like, as far as you guys talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon, and I was even thinking of a lot of the common Rider shows that Justin exposed me to, I enjoy the entertainment. You know, I enjoy watching the TV series, but I don't think I'd ever go out and play um, Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh! or anything like that, even though I've enjoyed watching the anime or the, you know, the live-action Kamen Rider shows where they change with the cards and everything. Like, I think all that's really cool, but I don't think I would go out of my way to purchase anything. But as far as, like, older stuff, I mean, for me, like, I, I think it's even older than, I don't know, maybe, Tony, you'll remember some of this stuff. But for me, I mean, it was about, you're talking about, like, Star Wars games where you actually play the games with everybody like i just remember buying empire strikes back cards like period like it was photos yeah. from the movie and you turned it over and there were little trivia questions and they had oh, little factoids yeah, of stuff yeah. and factoids and everything and and you know there weren't any chase cards or anything like that it was just <laughs> it was a card set and that was basically what it was and 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 actually like i've never sold any of those i i, I don't think i really tried but like that that that's something that sort of somehow has survived the great purge. So like I've got a box that has like you know besides these like skybox things like all these 90s cards that we're talking about. I've got stuff from like I've got a complete set of like V the series that has all the cards from that cuz I love that show and like <laughs> I've got a you know complete card set of like Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi and like, I'm trying to think of, like, some of the other... But there were, like, all these kind of science fiction movie properties. You know, the same thing, like, when Justin sent me that pack of Dune cards. It's, like, that kind of thing where I was like, oh, cool. Like, I remember those. Like, they were fun to, you know... I, I don't know. It, it kind of just reminds me of a simple it, time. It's not so much that you yeah. love the cards, but you loved it. that was part of the thing that you love. So you're like, I'm going to keep these fucking cards. Yeah, yeah it's just... I, I don't know. It, for me, it just... it Like seeing those and even that they're old and crusty and maybe dusty and some spiders may have crawled on them or spun webs on them. I'm just like, Hey, this is like good memories or whatever, you know? So that's kind of how I take it. So. And what about you guys? Would you ever delve back into CCGs or just pick up some really fun cards that just have really nice artwork? Just like maybe some trading cards. Yeah. Like another, like, you know, big, you know, CCG game. Probably not. Like most of my friends, like I said, you know, one of them sold his to get married. Most of my other friends have like, they've kind of like, for lack of better words, they've grown up. They're they've got married. They've moved away. They've got kids now. So most of them just don't have time to play. And I would just be kind of yeah. Like it, the, it, I, would, I would be like Mike playing with like the five year olds. I'll be like, eh, this is so much fun. <laughs> I feel kind of weird and creepy. So. 
yeah, it still exists for like the younger crowd, but for you know most of us older people, it's like yeah, we're, we're done with it. Um, what about you, Mike? I will tell you this, Mike, and I, I and, and you know it's gonna fucking bring it in there. But if they bring in a fucking IDW thing, where like the 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 fucking all the members of the Lost Light or every like you know like character from like you know Robots in Disguise, I would probably pick that shit up. That would be really cool. Yeah, that that'd be pretty cool, but. But then yeah, they'd have a they'd have a forty five dollar Overlord holographic foil chase card <laughs> yeah, that know, like huh? comes out and like waves hello at you and you like twirl it from left to right or something. Yeah, yeah, it'd have to be something really specific and like cool like that. Like I don't know. I I was gonna mention too back when we were talking about like superhero cards. Like I remember I I really loved the uh, Mark Bagley like Spider Man like uh, collection oh, or I had that. That whatever. Was really good. Yeah, really yeah. Good. Th- th- I remember they used to release like whole sheets of those and in like in magazines and stuff. But like uh, yeah, it would have to be something like that where it's something I really really liked and you know I I. Something really specific, I guess. Here, here's a weird factoid that applies to this episode that I just thought of. The Death of Superman card series from Skybox was a big deal. Like, I got every single one of them because, you know, I bought a case of them or whatever. And, you know, of course, the Death of Superman was, like, a huge thing. I know we've talked about how it was, like, huge for me because I was in the middle of it and wearing the black armband like a little nerd at school and all that kind of stuff. So I had I had all I these had all cards and everything. But one thing that's interesting is, remember how Justin was talking about how there was a sort of diorama, you know, where you merged all nine cards, and if you had one of those nice binders that could hold all nine cards, it made a little image. Well, in one of the Death of Superman covers... Uh, there, you know, it's like basically the world without Superman storyline. And in that, there are six heroes holding Superman's casket. And I, I'm trying to remember exactly who it is, but the, the main point of it is, is Batman was uh, one of the heroes on the left-hand side of the casket. So he's one of the six. It might be like Wonder Woman and Aquaman and some other people, whoever, Green Lantern, I forget who, yeah, Flash. Flash. Yeah. You know, like some of the main guys, they're all holding the casket. And Batman's one of them. But because Topps had a licensing agreement to produce those Tim Burton Batman cards and maybe like Batman the Animated Series cards or something like that, they they had a Batman license at the time. So because they had a Batman license, Batman could not appear in any of the Death of Superman cards. So what was funny was he was kind of like photoshopped out and then it was like this kind of, I don't know if it was like a guy who was trying to draw like Dan Jurgens or if they actually got Dan Jurgens to just kind of, you know, do a fill-in swap-out replacement or whatever, but they put Captain Marvel in place of Batman. So he was the guy yeah. holding the casket now instead of Batman. So, sorry, I just thought of that. I knew it applied <laughs> to, uh, it, to it, the card collecting topic. At least it was like fucking yeah. Nort or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, Nort. He's like... That's funny. Yeah. That's cool, though. Um, well, uh, thanks, Derek, for letting me, uh, you know, kind of take the reins on this for a few minutes. But, uh, yeah, cards are they're, – they're fun. They're – I'm I'm more with you on that. They're they're more of a nostalgic thing, and I think Justin and Mike would agree. They're, they're kind of a nostalgic thing at this point in a collector's sensibilities. Like, they were fun for a time, but, you know, when you get to a certain point, when you cut out something from your collection, if you're going to buy it again – like, Derek went back to toys, but he really likes his toys. 
but like cards is just like if you see cards you're like oh I could buy those but no so I I, I think there is in my mind it's it's just really fond memories it's like it's, it's a it's a part of growing up it's part of childhood you know a few minutes from now I will have the Infinity Gauntlet and the Infinity Sword I'll be unstoppable times infinity that's not even a number all right so that sounds like we're wrapped up on the topic of card collecting like we said if you're interested in this send us some emails or some comments and everything let us know maybe we can come back to this and do some kind of card by card installment where we look at like a specific (laughs) set if any of those card sets that we talked about interested you let us know and now we'll move on to our next Exciting topic. Um, we're actually kind of, I'm excited to talk about the Marvel Now comics event, Marvel Infinity. So uh, basically, the, 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 long, uh, the, the long and short of Marvel Infinity is it is a big, epic Avengers cosmic world-spanning crossover, much in the tradition of things like the... Kree Scroll War or the Galactic Storm, Operation Galactic Storm. And there are these characters called the Builders who are kind of like, I, I, it, to me, they remind me of the Dominion almost in Deep Space Nine. And there's this kind of big invasion going on where they're basically plotting a trajectory and they keep like just decimating planets, and they find out that the trajectory is headed straight to Earth. So, of course, the Avengers suit up and team up with this big galactic council of universal kind of politicos that are going out to fight the good fight to stop these guys, but that basically leaves Earth semi-defenseless because there are no Avengers on Earth because they're all off in space fighting, and that leaves Earth ripe for Thanos to strike and sort of carry out his master agenda. And that's kind of the basic setup of the whole series. Um, I guess, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know where to begin with it. I, I, I'm not trying to synopsize the story like page by page or issue by issue because it's a long series. It, it runs for like six issues for the main series. And of course, Jonathan Hickman is also writing new Avengers and Avengers. So all those issues that were in the same period, you know, released in the same period, they're all written by Jonathan Hickman as well. So they're, they're basically very, uh, the the synergy between those two comics and the main series seems to flow. Well, it's not as if, you know, there's different writers, so it, it feels off or odd. I don't know how all the tie-ins read, because, uh, to be honest, I haven't read many of those. Like, I probably read a couple of the Wolverine and the X-Men ones and the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ones, but I don't think I've read a lot more outside of that. Uh, other I, than, you know, I haven't even read this yet, Derek, <clears throat> and yeah. I know I can just be able to give much more insight on this, but... um Please tell me somebody doesn't drop from the fucking stars and runs across Canada and kills Alpha Flight. Uh, Alpha Flight is is not ever mentioned. I think they already did okay. that once, right? I'm like, didn't they like? Yeah, that was already done. Yeah, callously, <laughs> like a long time ago. So. I- I will say one of my favorite parts is, like, there's this big battle at the Jean Grey school, and, like, Wolverine gets skewered, like, mercilessly in, like, New Avengers. Yeah, and, that that, that I wrote down as a good moment. See, I, I think the <laughs> Now I really is, want to fucking read this. Damn it. Yeah. The character that, that uh, Justin was talking about was called Corvus Glaive, 
And the description I wrote right next to his name is owns Wolverine, which is, is always, always good to see. Like, cause you know, part of you is like, what, who are all these new generals? Like, why should I give a shit about these guys? They have all these weird names. And to be quite honest, if I didn't have the names written down, I wouldn't be able to remember any of them because besides Corvus Glaive, there's this guy, Black Dwarf. There's another uh, person called Ebony Maw, who's kind of like a Loki Mephisto type. Or if, you know, you read Shakespeare like, me, you kind of think of him as like an Iago type, you know, he's kind of whispering things into people's ears and trying to manipulate them more than being a physical threat. Um, there's uh, Corvus Glaive's wife, who's named Proxima Midnight, who's basically just this kind of almost Grim Reaper-esque chick who just kicks a whole lot of ass. And then there is another female uh, general who's named Supergiant, and she seems to be more of a mental antagonist, you know, like when they go to fight the X-Men at uh, the Jean Grey school, you know, Rachel Grey is the one who's her big nemesis or whatever, because it's more on a mental plane of attack. But just getting back to the whole, you know, I, I was like, well, I might not be able to remember any of these guys' names, but I'm like, oh, dude, who's this guy who owns Wolverine? I got to remember him because, you know, you, you always got to, like, take glee and smile when Wolverine, like, he gets skewered, like, he gets really messed up. But I, I don't know if that, like, if they're trying to use the excuse that he, did he have his healing factor at that point? Or was it gone by that point? I don't even know if I was paying attention to that in the comics, so. I, it could have been, because, like, other than that, like, I, I Wolverine doesn't show up a whole lot in this crossover. Yeah, it's like, it's like he, he's, he's in that annual, you know, and, and they're for the attack on the Jean Grey school, but he's he's basically not a big part of this crossover, which to me just makes it feel like a legitimate Avengers book, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm just making up, like, random super villain names in my head, like Easy Muffin's Death Crash and... <laughs> you know, well, I mean, I, play well, Silver Sword Cumberbatch. <laughs> that, that's yeah, that, that's pretty much what it feels like to me because it's hard to it, it it is hard to keep the name straight if you don't. But what they do that's nice is it's not quite Legion of Superheroes esque, where every time you see the guy, they put his name and what his powers are. But there are nice little uh, sort of character trees at the beginning of every issue where it kind of tells you, okay, these are the Avengers in this issue. These are the bad guys in this issue. Like, these oh, are some like of the, the supporting... Sorry? Kind of like the Ultron thing? Yeah, kind of like that. You know, where it's like... But you, better. <laughs> you, you, but, but, but it's like, you, it, it's, it, it's helpful to me, like, because you're like, oh, okay, th these are the people I'm going to be dealing with, you know, in any given issue. And it's not just sort of... Um, you know, if you ever get confused and you're reading it and it's not spelt out for you, I guess you could always flip to the front and be like, who is this guy's name again? Oh, his name's Corvus Glaive. Like, who's this badass guy who just skewered Wolverine? His name's Corvus Glaive. So then eventually it kind of sticks or whatever. The, the, the initial storyline basically opens where, you know, it's trying to show you that this is like serious, serious business because... They're on the planet Galador, which, when I was reading this, I wondered how Renaud would feel, because the Space Knights are there, and they're trying to defend their planet, and there's this kid who looks kind of like Luke Skywalker that's like, oh, don't worry, the Space Knights are going to save us, and then these guys, the Builders, they basically decimate Galador, so Rom's homeworld is fucking gone. 
So uh, it's basically are they having uh, licensing issues with Rom, like getting the name, or is is Rom? Yeah, back? Rom. They can't say his name. So I mean, they they can say the Space Knights, and they can have all these different Space Knight characters. But Rom's just like this cool guy who had a statue made of him that, uh, that who it's like he whose name can never be spoken, but was really awesome. Okay, like, yeah. I remember. Name, so. I remember that was a big problem with Rom is they couldn't you know use the toy likeness and name right, and all that. Right. So that's that's pretty much what was going on with that. Um, and, and, you know, it kind of sets up the high stakes in the opening and everything. Um, I know Justin's a big fan of the Inhumans. I was going to ask him this because I'm not as familiar with all the Inhumans storylines. But one thing they sort of set up in this, I think this is the first time it's shown up, but Justin can correct me if I'm wrong, but they, they kind of set up how Black Bolt's uh, uh, awesome polygamist, I guess. Because he's got, like, five wives. Like, I, I didn't realize Black Bolt had five wives. And one of them looks like they're from Alpha Centauri, which kind of draws a connection to Yondu from the Guardians of the Galaxy. So. Yeah, that, that's actually a carryover from Hickman's Fantastic Four run where he got okay. five wives. That, that was like, yeah. kind of through, like, a Kree Alliance thing, I think. I remember that, yeah, from, like, the Future Foundation, yeah. Um, okay. But, but what I was going to say is, like, that's one of the things I like about this event is that Unlike a lot of these crappy Bendis events, they kind of like ignore continuity, or they'll give certain characters an idiot ball, and they'll be total, complete morons. Um, this one is like really well-versed in continuity. It's like it helps if you've read the first several issues of Hickman's uh, run of Avengers or New Avengers because Avengers has ties into like the new universe, the wide event. That's where Starbrand and Nightmask come from, and also uh, Ex Nilo and Abyss and uh, New Avengers, of course, deals with a lot of these, you know, crossover events from like the d- different Earths that are threatening. Now, I, I like that a lot. And I also like that it does it does touch to some of his previous stuff, like certain plot elements from the Kree and his uh, Fantastic Four run. I, I was going to ask since I haven't read this, um, Justin or Mike or Derek can answer this one. Like I said, I haven't read it. it does this? I mean, since it's called Infinity. Does this actually touch upon anything from like Infinity Watch, Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity Crusade, or anything like that, or is it just no Marvel now? Fuck that, we're doing something new. Well, I mean, it does it does involve at some points the Infinity Gems in a roundabout way, but since the Illuminati or the New Avengers at one point each possess one of the gems, like that's the idea. They each have one for safekeeping due to I guess Bendis shenanigans. Then some of the assaults that Thanos perpetrates on Earth are to like find out, okay, well, where are these gems? Like, can we get some of these gems and use them for our own ends? And that kind of creates a lot of kind of wicked interplay between Black Panther and Namor because you know basically I we've discussed Avengers versus X Men, but you know how we kind of said Wakanda got the shit kicked out of it in Avengers versus X-Men when, when Namor had some of the Phoenix force in him. And uh, I guess in this case, turnabout is fair play because at this point uh, there is kind of rumblings of a war that's going to happen between Wakanda and Atlantis. And Namor's kind of like, Hey, look, uh, let's sue for peace. Cause we're going to kill you all. Like if you don't, sue for peace basically like you're not going to survive this but in the meantime they do all these weird shenanigans where namor doesn't even realize they've already launched a sneak attack while he's suing for peace and by the time he gets there 
all his people are already destroyed, on top of the fact that Thanos has already sent, you know, Proxima Midnight in. So, like, Atlantis is fucking toast. And, you know, basically at that point, Namor's kind of like, okay, well, what else is there for me to do to save the rest of my people? You know, he bends down on one knee and does the whole allegiance bit, and they're like, well, where are these gems? And he's like, well, they're at Wakanda, so you go there and fuck all those assholes up. You know, so it's very kind of, you know, like they, they, they may be fighting the good fight as new Avengers and trying to prevent all these but, but interdimensional catastrophes, yeah. but, but there's also a lot of, you know, politics going on internally and lots of kind of internal drama going on between those characters. I, I mean, you know, some of the things that I think is interesting in terms of what made it feel like a real Avengers book is the fact that, you know, like Justin was talking about, it, it does rely heavily on continuity, but also the characters feel well-written. I mean, when you when you see the cadre of the Galactic Council in a Bendis book, you're always like, why is this guy here, and why does he sound like a dumbass, and how come he doesn't <laughs> sound like the real character? But when you see this cadre of characters, there's some, there's some wonderful moments with the Super Scroll, there's some wonderful moments with Gladiator, there's wonderful moments with even, you know, Jason of Spartox, because he's like the fucking... <laughs> He, he's, he's like the um, uh, Paul Reiser of the fucking Galactic Council because he's a weaselly little fuck who basically, like, sells them out. But then he's sitting there going, oh, Captain America is a barbarian, you know, because he's like, oh, some of your men have been captured. You might want to look into that. And Cap's like, well, how the fuck would you know that? You know, and he's like, don't talk to me, barbarian. Like, I have my ways, you know, and he's like, he knows he got caught in a fucking, you know, lie, yeah. basically, and stuff like but, that. But and it's all about these- <clears throat> Sorry. It's all about casting. They actually cast the right people in that council. Yeah, well, beyond that, they their their voices sound genuine. It's not just a matter of casting the right people. You can have all these big characters. I mean, you've got Annihilus in there as one of the council because, you know, they're basically saying, look, we have to make deals with the devil to beat these builders because these builders are characters that come in and, you know, supposedly the idea was this character X Nilo is a creator of life. But when the builders come in with all these other ex nihilos, it's the idea that not only can they create life, they can make these weird death bombs and just make decay across a whole planet with one of these people. So the, the, the destruction that they can, you know, create on this massive scale is of course frightening to all these characters. So one of the guys they go to and recruit in their council is a nihilist because they're like, well, the annihilation wave caused all this destruction and chaos. If we can focus that on our enemy, like how cool will that be? You know, and and there are these funny they moments know, where even even Annihilus is on the council, and they're saying like, you know, well, uh, you know, are we ready to die and sacrifice ourselves? And Annihilus like, yes, get into it and everything, as opposed to somebody like you know Frigga and some of the galactic, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, where you're just kind of like, oh, this sounds kind of odd, oddly written or whatever. But I think all these characters have really really wonderful moments. You know, Ronan the Accuser. <laughs> You know, just basically everybody who's on that council, you know, they, they all serve a, an important purpose and you don't feel like they're just randomly stuck there. And they all get to have really nice moments, you know, as far as that goes. <laughs> I liked that moment where they were like, Annihilus, can you control the Annihilation Wave? And he's like, nope. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. 
there there's some like little small character moments too. Like my my favorite one is um, Cap's talking to Smasher and he's like, "Well, is there anything else I need to know, Smasher?" And she's like, "Yeah, I think I'm falling in love with someone." And then later you see that she hooks up with Cannonball and she kind of like after that she kind of yeah, like, teases Sunspot. I was like, that was really nice. I like that. It's kind of funny though because you, you get the idea Sunspot was kind of into her too, and and there's yeah. that weird awkward moment where they're like making out and he comes to get them for the meeting. And then, and then after they're walking off, he's like, okay, yeah, I'm happy for you and everything. And then I think she turns to him and says something like, yeah, we can discuss it in my room later. And he's like, but re- really? What? Can we, we can, and she's like, I'm kidding. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so he's like, cock blocked again or whatever. <laughs> but um, uh, I, the, the other thing, too, that makes it feel like a real Avengers book, and I don't know if, if you felt this way too, Justin, was that I thought that certain characters while new uh, felt like certain archetypes of previous Avengers. I mean, you know, ex Nilo and Abyss, like basically starting out as, you know, basically being Avengers bad guys and then joining the team in this crossover, you know, it kind of harkens back to the the days of Cap recruiting, you know, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and Swordsman, or, you know, in some ways how, you know, the Vision started out as a bad guy working for Ultron, but then he comes around to being, you know, one of the most important Avengers. So in in that sense, I was kind of thinking like, oh, yeah, well, these guys are are the same, you know, like Ex-Nilo, you know, started out as this, quote-unquote, Avengers bad guy, but here he is, you know, seeing his brothers kind of do these horrible things, and kind of like, you know, not to, you know, harp on the Deep Space Nine connection again, but, you know, it it does have that weird Odo, you know, versus the Founders, or like Cardassia, you know, being on the side of the bad guys, and then being on the side of the Angels at the end, and all that kind of stuff, where, you know, basically, Nilo kind of convinces his people to not, you know, work for the builders anymore and that kind of idea. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed all those things, those aspects to it. And uh, unlike that stupid episode where Data has a red shirt on and he's got his fleet of ships, which included four ships, like, <laughs> this is this is a much cooler Deep Space Nine fleet of ships where there's just tons of tons <laughs> of ships, splash pages, and, you know, Thor and Hyperion and Gladiator and all those guys can you know, free fly in space and smash through a bunch of shit and do all this cool stuff. Um, you know, my favorite fucking scene, which of course is my avatar because that's what I put on the Skype avatar, but I love the fucking parlay scene, man. Like yeah. that, that's just, they're basically yeah. like the, the setup for it is, you know, these builders are so badass. They just have like one of them on a planet and they're basically holding the whole Cree homeworld hostage. Like the Cree homeworld is basically <laughs> fucked because this guy's there and he's supposed to be super badass. And of course, the Supreme Intelligence does all these calculations and he's kowtowing because he's like, there's no way we can beat these fucking guys. Ninety nine percent, whatever dictates that we're we're fucked, basically. And so Cap has this plan, and Gladiator's like, okay, well, we'll we'll defer to you, because we don't know what the fuck to do, because, you know, we're outnumbered, we're outgunned, like, you know, and so Cap's like, all right, well, we're going to do this thing, and so they teleport some guys onto the other, like, world killer ships these builders have, and they turn the world killers on the other ships, and they score this big victory, and then they're like, well, what are we going to do next, Cap? And he's like, well, the plan next is we're going to surrender, and all these guys are like, what? What What the fuck? What are we doing? And so they're like, 
trust me, like this is going to work. And so they parlay and, and they talk to this builder guy on the Cree home world. And he's like, yes, okay, of course. Like, you know, there's a, there's a rhyme and reason to the way these things are done in the world. And yes, we will parlay with you, you know, you stupid assholes. And so, you know, send your envoy. And of course they send Thor and then Thor comes in and he, he walks in and they're like, well, you have to come in unarmed. And he basically like kind of looks at his hammer and he's like, father, you know, I hope I'm worthy enough so that you know what I want to do. And he just kind of tosses the hammer into space. And then he sits there and starts talking to him. And like Mike said, he's like, oh, let, what's the line again where he, he's, he's like, let us let us haggle like weak men. Yeah. He's like, OK, now we're going to now we're going to fucking haggle. And basically this builder's like, there's going to be no fucking haggling. I'm the one making all the rules. And he smacks Thor across the face. And he's like, you're going to kneel and you're going to suck my cock and all this other stuff. And and then we'll think about not murdering all you people. And so Thor is like, okay, I'm going to kneel and all this other stuff. And, and, uh, you know, and then basically, you know, he's like, okay, this is the solution to the parlay. And by the end of it, you know, the fucking hammer comes flying back through and creates this big gaping motherfucking hole in the guy's chest. And, and that's the end of this builder. And basically the, the idea is this whole thing was publicized and the whole homeworld saw it and the entire universe saw it. It was supposed to be a display of how badass these people were and crush the universe's spirit. But instead, all these accusers with their fucking hammers are rallying around Thor. And they're like, are you free men? Are you ready to go whoop some motherfucking ass? Like, and everybody's like, we're ready to whoop some motherfucking ass! And then, yeah. like, and then, and then, of it, course, it Gladiator was like, "Bitch, you got knocked the fuck out." <laughs> it, was, it was awesome, and then, and then, you know, everybody's like, and then Gladiator and everybody's turning to Cap, and it's like, "What's what's the next plan, Cap?" Because that that turned out fucking awesome, you know. And he's like, "The next plan is we go and we fucking win, and we kick these fucking guys' asses." So yeah, I, I love I, I love like the aftermath of that where they're like they're like you know all these worlds saw this and they all like started turning the tide and stuff, and I love that shot of, like, Hawkeye with all the Alpha Centurions. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, because the, 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 the bows and that's, arrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's red. And the, and the way they're, they're I, I liked how, you know, they're kind of like, oh, whose idea was this? And, and everybody's pulling up these big, giant monuments of the Avengers A, and they're like, these are Avengers worlds. Like, you, you were the ones who kept fighting and turning the tide, and it wasn't any of us, you know? So I was just like... Yeah, that was that was pretty money. I I enjoyed this yeah. stuff. So that, that, that kind of reminds me of a uh, like uh, the X Men with Mojo World, where like Mojo would be like, "I'm going to televise this, and everybody on Mojo World will see you get crushed beneath my heel," and they like kick his ass. Same thing, just on a much much it's, wider. It's, it's just scale. A, a, a on a galactic scale, epic yeah. scale, yeah, definitely. What about what, what were you going to say, Justin? Oh, uh, what I like is like you know characters like Thor, Captain uh, Captain America. They have like a lot of big. They have a moment, you know. Like Cap has a lot of scenes where he's like, you know, we're gonna do this and we're gonna lead the way. And Cap's giving speeches and inspiring everyone. And Thor is kind of leading the charge in the battle. And then like, you know, my user picture or my avatar here is a uh, Starbrand's moment. And what I like is not it's not just the old tired and true, you know, classic characters. It's like some of the new guys get some really nice moments because I, I like that uh, story in Avengers prior to Infinity where they introduced the new star brand of 616. And it, it kind of it kind of made me grumpy because he had like all this power and he just kept 
the Avengers just kept trying to like kick his ass and beat him up, and he was like, "Wait, I don't understand my powers." He's like, "I don't, I don't understand what's going on," and they they just saw him as a threat. But later, he he learns to kind of you know take control of his abilities. Through the he should have said it was the void. The void is the the whole problem. I'm, I'm totally cool. But he he kind of like learns to take control of his powers through Night Mask, and then you know. I was kind of sitting there reading this the first time. I was like, well, Starbrand's supposed to be like a supremely powerful being in 616 now. So, like, why isn't he doing anything? And it was like it was in that issue where he kind of like unleashes his power and he pretty much like destroys like this whole invasion fate. I was like, that's that's pretty awesome. I like I like that the new kids can have their moments, too. Yeah, and I thought I, I, I have a was, question. Was, um, oh, go ahead. Because you were talking about Thor and Cap. And this is the conspiracy theorist in me and, like, you know, my rambling mind. Do you think they're trying to build up Thor and Cap because Robert Downey Jr. is such a major presence in the films? They're like, oh, we've got Captain America and Thor films coming out. Maybe we should make these guys be as badass as they're supposed to be. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong. Cap and Thor are badass, but maybe they haven't built them up quite as well in the comics. And they're like, let's give them some good moments so when people go see the movies, they're like, oh, I really, yeah, they're doing fucking awesome shit. I don't know if they haven't had any good moments in the comics until this point, but they have lots of good moments in this comic, and I don't think it's a conspiracy. Like, like I, I think that's intentional. Like, I, I think they're they're basically kind of setting up certain things. Like, like one of the things I actually thought too is Thanos's inclusion. Like, I guess Jonathan Hickman could have made a whole new character. But it sounds like because Thanos is going to be the big bad eventually in either, you know, some kind of Avengers sequel or, you know, obviously he's going to have a little part in Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff. But the the idea being, like, Thanos is going to be somebody who's going to be important to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it seems like they felt like they had a need to include him in this as well. Um, and and you, you could tell that, you know, like, and I, I don't think there's anything conspiratorial about it it's it seems like it's very deliberate i was i was just going to say the very fact that we've barely even mentioned thanos like in our discussion so far seems to <laughs> yeah, speak yeah. to that like um i was going to ask you guys cuz like I, again i'm going to bring it up like two or three more times cuz i haven't read it but um this is a very cosmic event do uh like silver surfer uh, nova or any of the uh, more like adam warlock do they play any part in this or no um, well, well, Nova has his own tie-in issues, but yeah. I know what is there that Infinite's comic with Silver yeah, Surfer? Yeah, that that was the that was one of my. I don't I don't know what the timing of this will be because of the timey wimey wibbly wobbly nature of the release <laughs> of this podcast. But at one point in time, that Silver Surfer Infinite comic was one of my awesome things of the week. But he he does not he's not heavily featured in the main storyline. Okay. So it's yeah. it, it's a series of characters, you know, cat and Thor. Uh, Tony Stark stays home mainly because of Illuminati stuff, but also he kind of sells it as I'm I'm guarding the home front type deal. And and most of the people that are guarding the home front are not. Um, I don't want to say they're not official Avengers, but they're they're, they're not, not featured heavily. They're 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 kind of these, you know, oh, it's like, who who's left at home? You know, the Mighty Avengers, or, you know, the X-Men, or, you know, you know, characters that, you know, Beast is a legitimate Avenger, but he's not one of the guys out in space, you know, like, things like that. Um, they, they, kind you know, take, they kind of take the big guns out to space. Uh, 
Well, you see, it's kind of weird. Like, like Starbrand's a big gun, and he gets taken out into space. And there's people that are very useful. Like, there's... If you remember the character Gateway from the uh, X-Men comics, Tony? Like, yeah, the aboriginal guy, yeah. Yeah, so he's got a son named Eden, and he goes by the code name Manifold in Hickman's Run. And so he's a teleporter as well. And so he, he might not be a big gun, per se, but having a teleporter in the middle of space when they're in all these fights and everything turns out to be very, very useful. Um, uh, is he kind of like Leela Cheney, where he's like a galactic teleporter where you can just yeah, like, take yeah. up anywhere? Yeah, so yeah, they're, they're, you know, getting shot up. I like, uh, I was going to say, I like that scene where the, he's got two good scenes, like in, in the, the um, lead-up stuff to Infinity, where he's fighting those AIM guys, and he just kind of runs through them and, like, opens up, like, a half-dozen portals, and is like, okay, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone, you know, he's, like, shoving them all into portals. And then, of course, he has, like, his big scene where he, like, teleports uh, Gladiator, Annihilus, Super Scroll, and Ronin into, like, so, the... So they could take peak. motherfucking poor Black Dwarf's wallet, man. Yeah, and they for, took... For life. For life, yeah. they took his wallet. See, I, I feel bad for Black Dwarf, man, because fucking yeah, Black, Black Panther beat. beats him up. Like, I was like, come on, man. Like, what's up with that? Like, I know Black Panther's supposed to be, like, the Batman and the awesome guy and everything, but this this guy, Black Dwarf, seemed to be set up to be one of Thanos' five generals. Like, he's this Calabac type. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to call him a Mongol type, because he's not smart enough to be a Mongol type. But, I mean, as far as power levels go, like, this guy's, like one of Thanos' generals, and he's kind of like a Calabac, strong-arm-type guy. So I could see somebody outwitting him, but it, it's just funny how, like, Black Panther kind of sends him home in shame, and then Thanos smacks the guy around, and then, you know, is like, don't fail me again, Admiral. And then, of course, the the next time he does any kind of fighting, it's like, he, it's like not just, like, like Shang-Chi tries to, like, make a good showing against him, and you're like, oh, man, Shang-Chi's going to fucking get his ass kicked here in a minute, you know? And then all of a sudden, bam, like, Gladiator, Annihilus, Super Scroll, and Ronin are there just to take his motherfucking wallet. Like, so. Yeah, no, no, good good death scene there, Ronin. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, Gallagher's his head. Like, yeah. He's like, you have been judged. Yeah, he's just owned, like, totally owned. Yeah. Oh, Ronin dies? No, no, Ronan, no, Ronan kills this guy, Black Dwarf. Ronan oh, is oh. Gallagher, and Black Dwarf is the watermelon. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just, gotcha, he just gotcha. gets totaled. Um, I was going to, I do, uh, what do you call, speaking of cool deaths and stuff, like I think, uh, what's his name, like Corvus Glaive had a good death at the hands of Hyperion. Oh, yeah, too. yeah, where, where Hyperion where just like... Like, well, I like he's like, like Hyperion's like, I'm going to kill you, like, motherfucker. And, like, Glaive's like, uh, you cannot threaten me with something that I want, you know. And then Hyperion's like, well, then just call this a gift and, like, vaporizes him with the heat vision and stuff. Well, what's funny uh, is, so is, is, is... Is Squadron Supreme now, like, a thing in Marvel now with Hyperion? Um, I forget, like, I, I haven't read that first, like, Avengers arc, so I'm not sure, yeah, like, where it, Hyperion is from. It, they don't really say where, it's just, you kind of see, like, Aang pulls him from some kind of, well, I think it's Aang, they pull him from some kind of, like, machine from some other universe, so I guess he's just, like, a, yet another incarnation of Hyperion. Oh, okay, okay. So we don't have, like, the Squadron Supreme, we don't have, like, you know, that Nighthawk, we don't have, like, that Doctor Spectrum and all that shit, we just have Hyperion. No. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
I would yeah. I just check. Like I said, I'm not I'm not up to date on Marvel now. I'll admit, except for like, no, Nova oh, and Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah, that's good questions. I mean, he, he it's interesting because because in, in that context. It, it does delineate the whole like Superman archetype from the Thor archetype, you know, the the Hyperion who is not going to be drinking a bunch of mead and kind of jovial and um, you know th- that kind of aspect of <laughs> Thor, you know, like where whereas they're both still powerhouses and they're both still you know two guys who get to go out into space and kick a lot of ass, but they oh. have different <laughs> different ways of doing things, you know. He's he's kind of the first Hyperion I've ever read who isn't some kind of douchebag. So yeah, well he's actually yeah he's actually like a good guy like for the most yeah. part like you know, at least to date you know like some something I wanted to ask Justin because I know he likes like Doctor Strange. What did you think of like Doctor Strange kind of being like you know kind of their bitch for like the entire event kind of? Uh, I I didn't like that at all. I mean you know it's like you said I'm a big Doctor Strange fan. And I was kind of wondering, like, well, what's he gonna like? What's he gonna add to this? Because he's he's a member of the Illuminati, but he hasn't really, even from this new volume of uh, New Avengers, he hasn't really did a whole lot. He's just kind of like been around. It's like he had a dinner with Doctor Doom and Reed, and they just kind of was talking about you know various things. And I was like, well, what's he gonna get to do something? Like, when when does Doctor Strange get his moment? And he still hasn't had one. It's like he. He kind of like gets choked by this guy, and it, it takes like one of the engineers to like save him and pull that entity out of him. And then even beyond this event, and like the latest issue of New Avengers, he realizes he's like you know to stop this uh, you know planets from colliding, the two universes from uh, destroying each other. He's like I need more power. And what does he do? He sells his soul to get more power. And I was like I I don't think I'm gonna like this. Like I I. That's a little too much. Like Doctor Strange has been through so many like things, so many like mystical events and all this other stuff. Like he should know better than to do that. But well, the I, last time I checked, Justin, I mean, you know, I'm not a big Doctor Strange fan, but he's the Sorcerer Supreme. He's pretty much supposed to be a badass. Well, the the thing is, he 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 gets so possessed in this by the bad guys, you know, and like. Mike was saying he's basically their bitch. So it seems like the character arc is, I've been a bitch this whole crossover, so now, like, I'm going to start dealing with, like, the books of black magic because I'm tired of being everybody's bitch, you know? <laughs> it's just going to like, hey, hey, hey Dorman, you want to come over and have some, like, turkey tomorrow? You know, that'll be cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, well, I, you know, it's just one of those things where you're like, oh, well, if you're a big fan of the character, you're like, oh, no, this is going to be another one of these Shadowland fucking things here, but with Doctor Strange, you know, like, you know, so I, I can see why that wouldn't be, uh, you know, appealing. I mean, as far as things that, that might be, you know, and I don't know if Justin will like this or dislike this, because I know he's fan of uh, Black Widow, or like, you know, I know Mike's a fan of Hawkeye, or, you know, I, I like Shang-Chi, but I, I did find it interesting that they were part of the crew that got sent into space. Like, yeah, I mean, at least, um... at least Falcon, you know, like, he's got his little swoop space headgear and everything, so I can, I can kind of rationalize it, you know, where I'm like, well, you know, he's he's doing good, he's, he's out there, like, chopping up spaceships and stuff, but I'm kind of like, you know, it, it's one of those things where I'm just kind of like, come on, man, what the fuck is Black Widow going to do and, and, and Shang-Chi against these fucking guys? And then you're thinking about it going, oh, well, if, uh, if Black Panther owned uh, this Black Dwarf guy, then maybe, you know, maybe it's not... Uh, so far fetched, but well, you know, well, as, I, as you're well aware, Shang Chi is the master of kung fu. He is, he is, but um, you know, it, it's just he, he got Shang Chi got the defiant moment 
right before he was about to die. And then he luckily didn't die, you know, but I'm like, that was Shang-Chi's moment, like not dying. <laughs> so like, you're just kind of like, what, what, what purpose did you serve? You know, I, I can kind of justify Hawkeye because he was in the Kree skull war, but then at that time he was also using the gross serum. So I'm yeah, like, well, he, yeah. I guess he has some space cred and you know, I love Shang-Chi and Black Widow, but I'm kind of like, well, what are they going to add? I guess like Shang-Chi has hand-to-hand and Black Widow has like infiltration, but Falcon – I mean I like Falcon, but I, when he, I see him in his spacesuit like tearing guys up, I'm just like, well, I, I'm not really sure what Falcon is going to add to this battle. Or Spider-Woman. It's like, what does Spider-Woman add to this? It's like if you read her uh, Adventures in Avengers Assemble. She gets yeah. to be grumpy about scrolls. Right? Yeah, she just like gets to be grumpy. She's like just blown from place to place, and she just kind of reacts to stuff. She doesn't really add anything. Now, I was I was kind of waiting for a moment from for Hawkeye where like um like like he's sort of like Carol's like co-pilot for a lot of it, like in her like whatever in their like Quinn carrier yeah. or whatever, and then like he kind of gets captured, and then you know he kind of has that one cool scene, but it's only part of a montage and stuff. But I was kind of waiting for a moment with him, like in uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, like in the, their Kree Skrull like war episodes, where like he has to make a shot with like the spaceship or whatever that like no one else can make or mm-hmm. something. But okay. that moment never really came. Never so. happened. Was it just kind of like one of those things where, like, you like these characters and they're, like, <clears throat> people you really like, but it's like they, like, walk into a room and they're like, all right, I want to take uh, Captain Ultra, I want to take uh, fucking Squirrel Girl, Night Thrasher, and, um... Well, the, yeah, yeah uh, I mean, it's like one of those things where you're like, I don't dislike any of the characters. I was just like, why aren't they on the home team? Like, I mean, shouldn't Shang-Chi be on the home team, kung fuing people like Thanos or whoever the... the fodder is like i i don't know i just don't i yeah i was just kind of like i don't get like why certain characters like like cannonball and and richter like or and richter cannonball and sunspot like they they kind of make sense like they're they're you know long-standing mutants they probably have shiar you know space experience and, and they're really fucking cannonball powerful. is invulnerable when he's blasted so i'm like i'm not worried about him you know like but as like some of these guys i'm like dude you know if they blow a hole in the spaceship and shang chi's fucking uh oxygen runs out it doesn't matter how badass he is at kung fu he's gonna be <laughs> I will fucking wrap dead my around my face and but... i will survive <laughs> He's like, the vacuum of space, my kung fu will see me through. <laughs> my my super move that generates uh, oxygen, you know, like, I'm just kind of like, and, and, and this is not like a rag on Shang-Chi episode or anything. I do like Shang-Chi a lot. I just, I, I just question, like, who was the general that's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Shang-Chi's definitely on the away mission. I bet. Iron Man said he was going to stay on Earth because he was probably like, oh, man, I just came from space. <laughs> Sick of it. Like, I just totally fucked this, like, green chick, and I am so fucking riddled with STDs. I'm tired of space. Um, so do we, want, do we want to talk about, like, the stuff that goes on with Thanos and his uh, son and, like, what happens with the Inhumans, like, towards the end of this event? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, like, Thanos has... His goal basically is, and and we haven't even gotten into this yet, but I, I did suggest to Mike that uh, 
if I had an action figure, I may send him the head of the action figure as tribute because Thanos basically his goal in this seems to be to get his five generals to harass different planets and have them send him the heads of all the citizens that are of age 16 to 22. And you think it's this random pointless sacrifice or, or, you know, atrocity that he's perpetrating on these different worlds, but it all has a focus because apparently, like in Jonathan Hickman's Thanos miniseries, Thanos apparently fucked like a rabbit all over the motherfucking universe, even though he's, like, into death because everybody thought he was a bad boy or something on Smallville or whatever, and they all slept with him. (laughs) And so he's got literally thousands of bastards all over the fucking galaxy. And so the idea is he's running around killing all these or taking all these tributes to uh, eradicate his seed, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, around the universe. Little known fact, he's known as the Infinity Cock. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But um, the... so. Uh, one of the places where he asks for tribute is, of course, from uh, Atlan, uh, or, the, you know, the homeworld of the Inhumans. And so, you know, he's basically making these demands to, uh, you know, Medusa and Black Bolt and the whole royal family. And, you know, Corvius Glaive is the one that comes down. And there's a pretty badass scene where they're like, you know, uh, you know, don't talk to the king that way. Like, we're going to fucking kill you. And again, he pulls the, you know, do you, are you going to punish a child who's misbehaving with candy? It's like, I want to be fucking killed. Like, and he's like, show, show this bitch, you know, Medusa, how much we fear death. And then all his lieutenants take out their swords and like slit their own fucking throats, you know? And it's like, that's how fucking hardcore we are, you know, or whatever. And, uh, and so all this kind of stuff is going on. And it turns out that Thanos's fabled son, Thane, uh, is an inhuman of sorts, but I guess he was on, you know, one of these like colonized worlds or something like that, where, you know, some of the inhumans went off into space and, got jiggy with it, probably like Talon or whatever on the moon. <laughs> you know, like, they're, they're space inhumans, just like they're space baseball for Frieza. So these space inhumans were out in space. One of them fucked Thanos, had this kid named Thane. I think Thane kind of looks like Star Fox. What do you think? Is, is, is he Thane Ector, or is that a different character? Who? Thane Ector. That was a character in the Marvel Universe. Mm, I don't know. I don't know the character. I don't know. Sounds familiar, but I don't know exactly. No, 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 no. Thane Ector was that fucking douchebag in the uh, fucking um. It was actually, hey Justin, the the bomber jacket era where uh, they had like the the blue guys. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Um. Anyway, but yeah, it kind of no. sounds familiar, but yeah, yeah I, 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 I don't it's think not, it's, I don't it's, think it's not, not the same, same character. character. It, yeah. It's the same first name, but he had a last name, so yeah, it's not Thanos's kid. I just uh, I put it all in my head. It was one with like the fucking swordsman thing and all that stuff. So I guess what ends up happening, like at the conclusion, in regards to the Inhumans, is Black Bolt's big plan is to release the Terrigen mists all over the world, and that basically triggers all these new inhuman mutations and of course one of which is with this this kid Thane so he looks a lot more like his father after he gets his you know inhuman mutation triggered there's a pretty cool scene with uh Lockjaw and Maximus where they take out one of Thanos's 
general super giant. Like, I think it's pretty awesome where basically, you know, the, the, she comes in demanding like, okay, you're going to start this bomb and you're going to blow everybody up. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, I love talking to myself and hearing my own voice and I am the smartest guy in the whole room. And, and, and he's like, you just forgot the most dangerous person in the room. And it turns out like Lockjaw's there and he teleports her away with the bomb and then teleports back and she's just like, oh, fuck. You know, so there's like cool stuff like that. But what, what else? Lockjaw is just like rough. Rough motherfucker. <laughs> what, what, what else do you want to kind of discuss about the Inhumans and Thane and Thanos, Justin? Um, well, it's like, you know, it's been mentioned, like, I'm a huge Inhumans fan, so it's kind of like I, I was looking forward to this event, but also kind of like cautious because. Uh, anytime like you have like the humans taking center stage, I'm just like I'm afraid they're gonna have their wallets taken or they're gonna end up on the watt train. But I, I thought Black Belt had like a really great battle with uh, Thanos, even though he kind of did get beat down. Like he he gave just about as well as he got. Um, but I guess like you said, this whole you know detonating the Terrigen stuff, like it's gonna be setting up an Inhumans ongoing series, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, but like Thanos, like having his son, like you were talking about, like him getting jiggy with it on the moon and stuff. Like I kind of, I don't know why, but it's like everything in Infinity. I'm like, man, this is really great. But then it's like, I'm like, this is his like, you know, motivation. He wants to kill his son because it keeps him up at night. Like I'm just yeah, that's like, what that's why I feel uh, like maybe maybe Hickman could have gotten away with creating a, a brand new character with these motivations. Yeah. But it seems like, you know, maybe the, the powers that be were like, no, no, you got to have Thanos, Larry, the kids like Thanos or whatever. I mean, I could be wrong, but, but it, it seems like it could have easily been a, a new Thanos type character, but somebody that wasn't necessarily Thanos. Um, like for me, I, I think some of it kind of retreads old ground. Um, there, there, there is that, inner fanboy in me that like always loved the the scene that Starlin wrote at the end of infinity gauntlet where Thanos, I, I always used to quote this to like my buddies, like especially when things are not working out for me. And I was just, you know, I, I always loved that line where he's like, you know, warlocks like, so what are you going to do after this? And he's like, are you going to be a bad guy again? And he's like, three failures are enough even for me. Like I'm done. <laughs> You know, and I always love that because it was just like, you know, if you're like, basically, if you're not scoring with a girl or whatever it was, I would always just be like, yes, yes, my friend, three failures are enough, even for me. Like, I'm I'm done with this particular <laughs> avenue of attack, you know, and, and I always kind of respected that. But of course, you know, inevitably, you know, Dan Jurgens brings him back and Mark Wade brings Thanos back and he looks like a chump with Kazar and Thor. And, you know, so you're like, wait, wait, I thought three was enough. No, now it's like five or six or eight, you know, and, and, and it gets into this thing. So I was like, I'm not going to hold that against any writer now because they've, they've obviously gone back on that, you know, long, long ago. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I do, I do, there's that, I, I have to fight off the same urge that you do where I'm kind of like, wait, this is Thanos's thing like now and what? And okay. Like I get, I, I guess I just have to like shove that out of my mind and sort of enjoy the story for what it's worth. And, and I do enjoy all the cosmic battles and, and things like that. I, I think if I, I dwell too much on Thanos, I may find things to nitpick and, and not enjoy about it. And I'm trying to, you know, stay positive and, and avoid that pitfall, I think. Um, I, but, yeah. I, so. I just wanted to 
ask really quickly. Like the only thing that I was wondering about was when did Thanos like hook up with these builder guys? Because like, I mean, the last thing I can remember reading with him in it, or or at least remembering that he was in, was that like first arc of like Bendis's Avengers Assemble or whatever. And like, I think he was alone there. So like, and where where did this like when when did he hook up with these guys and why are they so like fanatically like devoted to him? And stuff? That, yeah, that's that's what seems like odd is because he's got his his you know five generals you know that that are it seems like they have this long history together too and you're like well when did this happen like how you know they they do seem pretty familiar with one another you know like they like we've been searching for thanos's kids and murdering little kids heads for years and you're (laughs) like well as far as we know this just started so it, it seems a little yeah, I, I mean that that seems like a justifiable kind of. <laughs> Thanos was just up one night really late, and they were like, "Hey, what are you doing right now? We're the builders, and if you have a law claim to like take the entire universe for death's cause, we're your men. So call one eight hundred Builders Kill, and we will be glad to represent you. So call one eight hundred Builders Kill. Thanos, <laughs> we know you're watching. And Thanos <laughs> is like, I'd be stupid not to do this. <laughs> ring ring. Instead of, like, having that awful Jason Aaron, like, Thanos origin reboot retelling thingy, like, they should have just took that miniseries and filled in the gaps, like, saying, like, oh, this is where Thanos met Ebony Ma, this is where he met, you know, uh, he did these other chuckleheads instead of, like, giving it this... Well, it, it, does, it does seem like what you're saying is it, they, they are trying to semi-reboot it, because I guess my, my original point w- when I was trying to talk about Thanos before is, like, the end of the series, the way he is dispatched in the, the final issue, like, is basically the same way he gets taken out in the end of the, the Warlock saga. You know, those three tries that Thanos did. The first try was with Captain Marvel and a Cosmic Cube. The second try was with Adam Warlock and the Avengers and Spider-Man and the Thing with, like, a gigantic soul gem. And then, at the end of that, he got turned into stone. And then the third try was, of course, the one that everybody knows, which is the Infinity Gauntlet. And that that's where three tries or enough even for me comes from. But the the um stone that he was turned into in at the end of the warlock saga like this isn't exactly the same but i mean he's in the same fucking pose so like i i kind of tend to think there is that element of of movie cinematic foreshadowing or some kind of reboot nature where they're like larry we like that he turns into stone at the end but we don't like all this giant jelly bean stuff so figure out something else to do and then jonathan hickman writes this and they go hmm okay maybe we'll use some of this here and some of this here and then they whip it all together and you got you know cinnamon oatmeal or whatever but that that's kind of what where my thinking is on how they're kind of approaching Thanos. Like, it's a semi... It's it, it's almost like this could be the first time you've ever met Thanos, even though it's not. Yeah, make him recogn- or, or familiar, at least, to newer readers or whatever. I don't know how much... Did you guys read any of the tie-ins and stuff? Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, I actually liked... Um, I think it was called The Hunt which I, f- I felt it was a, like, a nicer 
version of Avengers Arena, kinda. Like, it was all the kids, yeah. like, and stuff, and, like, the ones that weren't, like, getting horribly slaughtered in Avengers Arena, like, teaming up from, like, all the different schools and stuff, and, I don't know, I, I thought that was kind of fun, and, like, Finesse got to be, like, sort of, like, Nightwing-y there, where she was, like, commanding everyone and whatnot, so I thought that was kind of cool. I, I thought the heist was okay, but mostly just because it has, like, you know, it's basically like a bunch of Iron Man guys like trying to rob Tony or something. Like it, it the story was kind of like iffy. I just, I, I just guess I, I just kind of liked it because it was just a bunch of like goober Iron Man villains trying to like do a big score while distracted. It's kind of like the uh, identity disc of uh, of this miniseries <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And it was written by what's his face, one of your favorites. Oh yeah, yeah, too. yeah. That's probably why I wouldn't read it because it's Frank fucking Teary, right? I'm sure it's genius, yeah. right? Uh, he he wrote some Gotham Underworld stuff that was not completely horrible, so I bet you him doing Spy Master and all those other Iron Man guys would probably be pretty good. What about like I I, I remember I think Justin was telling me something of uh, the the discrepancy between or maybe not a discrepancy but just something that you wouldn't be aware of. Like I am not regularly reading the Captain Marvel title, but. I think you were telling me something about how she was like blind or deaf or something was going oh, on. Oh, she with lost her? her memory. Okay, yeah, yeah. What yeah. was that? In uh, in Captain Marvel's ongoing comic, it's like she has like this kind of brain tumor, and it's like she, it's like she can't go uh, like a certain altitude, or the brain tumor will enlarge, and she kind of does because Yon Rog comes back, and she has to save the world, of course. And of course, the tumor expands, and she loses like most of her long term memory. And you wouldn't even know this unless you were reading her ongoing because in the the main event she acts, you know, perfectly normal. Like she's in she's interacting with, you know, Cap and Hawkeye and and acting like everything's normal, but like in her ongoing book, like she kinda like doesn't really have you know, her memories. It's like she only knows Spider Woman is her best friend because Spider Woman told her she's like, Hey, we're best friends, remember me? No. Well, we're best friends, Mike, okay? Okay. You, you, think that hey, like, like five bucks. <laughs> you think that brain tumor actually happened like uh, ten years ago when Bendis first started writing New Avengers? <laughs> like, hey, we're buddies, remember? Claremont, you, me, the X-Men? No, yes, oh, yes. no. Okay. You remember the no, time like, okay. Duel told me she really loved anal? That was so fucking funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, well, that, that's one of the tie-in books. I think I read the first issue of that, the the Mighty Avengers or whatever. But I mean, that's just. I think at the end of it, it's like, oh hey, the Thanos bad guys are here. Let's fight them, you know. But I I didn't. I wasn't exactly wowed by that uh, inaugural Mighty Avengers issue. Um, as far as other tie-ins, like uh, obviously we've all read the Guardians of the Galaxy ones, and then I did read that Wolverine and the X Men annual just to. Uh, relive. Oh yeah, I I enjoyed that. Yeah, with yeah. the with Kid Gladiator. Yeah, like yeah. I, I enjoyed that. So a that lot. was that was pretty fun. But I, I like you I said, I haven't read uh, a lot of the Avengers just, just, or anything like just that. Just because we don't we don't we don't address it enough or say it enough, man. Like fuck Bendis. Like seriously, <laughs> um, like I was gonna say. <laughs> no, just I'm, just I'm for joking. one more time. I, I, of course, I'm, I'm overreacting and stuff, but like, like I love in this 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 event, like how like all the the, the Avengers sort of 
outer space like adversaries or contemporaries like the the Shi'ar, the Kree, you know, the Skrull, like they kind of get like respect, like a, they get they get a lot more respect for humanity, and uh, like they they seem to like you know they're like oh man, like the Avengers are awesome, like Captain America's the man and stuff. But then you've got like Bendis writing like his all new X Men like run right now, and like they're doing like this trial of Jean Grey thing where like gladiators send it. Uh, Gladiator sends, like, you know, a bunch of commandos to go kidnap Jean Grey and put her on, like, trial. Even though that makes no fucking sense, because it's a Jean Grey that hasn't been possessed by the Phoenix. And, like, but, even like, Gladiator in those books are like, oh, yes, humans are terrible. Like, they can't be trusted, and they're awful, and, you know, like, I poo-poo on the humans, like, even though, like, you know... Yeah, uh, five right. minutes ago, so he's funny. like high fiving uh, Captain America for like exactly yeah. well done, and and then and then they have like that great little scene between like it's like him, Gladiator, Super Scroll, and I think Ronan, and and he just turns to all of them, and he's like, "Listen, guys, like, thank you for standing by us through this whole thing, and thank you for coming back with us to Earth so that we can kick ass and." save our planet and everything. And then Clerts just like, don't thank us yet, human, until we've earned it. And then they just go off to be badass. But it's like, oh, that that's what always cracked me up. It's like, I get that, like, some people, like, you know, the, yeah, the scroll are always going to be a little devious and shit like that. And, of course, a nihilist is never going to be, like, kissing babies and shit. But, like, there's that point where it's like, oh, they did kind of fight together. You know, like, they were kind of, like, allies. Like, you'd think there'd be some kind of... I don't know, like carryover into, you know, instead of just using Gladiator as like a tool. No, you're you're not bad for a white boy kind of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah so, anyway. <clears throat> wow. But, I don't know, that, that, just, that just made me grumpy. Like, right yeah, 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 no, no, that's, that's perfectly understandable. But yeah, I mean, I, I think overall, like, you know, me and Mike and Justin, like, we really, really enjoyed... Marvel Infinity. I mean, it was a fun crossover. It's very epic, uh, very cosmic if you're into that stuff. Like, if you liked the Annihilation stuff, if you liked Kree, Scroll, uh, War, if you liked, you know, Operation Galactic Storm, any of that type of stuff, like, it's it's all very much in that vein. Um, you know, if, if you're a fan of any of the characters we talked about, like, most of them, like, a few exceptions, you know, you know, Doctor Strange probably didn't get treated the best or whatever, but, like, a lot of the other characters all got to have really, really nice moments. There's some great moments between Thor and Manifold where, where you know, like, basically they're, they're talking about, you know, how, you know, the, the sort of heroic journey and, you know, I don't know, for some reason they have, like, Cap and I think Captain Marvel say, oh, we don't believe in that heroic journey stuff. Just go out there and do your job, kid. And, and it's supposed to, like, pep him up or whatever. But then Thor comes back and he's just kind of like, I love the captain and, and Carol, but uh, I totally disagree with them. Like, there is a totally epic hero's journey, and we're a part of it, and we were born to kick ass. Like, so let's go kick ass, you know? And so, like, <laughs> I, I enjoyed that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there's lots of great things, and I, I totally recommend it. It's a fun read. It's a good read, and yeah. Yeah, um, I was just thinking, it's like, this is this really has been my favorite event since Annihilation. Like, it's it's that good. Like, Battle of the Atom was so disappointing. Age of Ultron was so fucking awful. Uh, <laughs> Siege, Secret Invasion. Yeah, Fear uh, Itself. Fear things. Itself. God, those are all so disappointing and terrible to various levels, but this, man, this is so good. Like I said, it, great character moments for, like, your classic characters, new characters, 
you know, respect for continuity. Like, it, it's great. I loved it. It's, like, you. if you've listened to Fan Holes, you know I'm not predisposed to, like, cosmic stuff. And, like, I, I enjoyed it. And, like, this, this, like, rewards you for, like, reading all the tie-ins rather than, like, confuses or enrages you. So, like, you know, and it feels a lot more natural because, like, Jonathan Hickman actually, like, wrote a lot of, like, the all of the Avengers tie-ins except yeah. for, like, Mighty Avengers. So it all feels very interconnected. And, like, when I saw, like, scenes, like, in one comic that were, like, repeated in another comic, I didn't feel like I was being cheated. Like, I was like oh this is that scene but from another angle like sort of and yeah you know. yeah like like certain things are repeated but it's not an overlap where it's like it's not like you're watching bleach filler where it's the same exact <laughs> shot like 12 times and it's just like 15 minutes of filler from the last episode it's like they actually like do like new animation and a new twist and a new take on it and there's some additional lines and some stuff that you didn't get that perspective of, I mean, you, you see Ronan take out, uh, Black Dwarf in Avengers and in Infinity, but you gain, like, a certain perspective in the Avengers issue, the, the take-your-wallet perspective, that, you know, if you were just reading the Infinity series, you would know the event occurred, but you wouldn't get that same gravitas of Shang-Chi, like, standing up to him and the you know, manifold teleporting in all the guys and that sort of epic moment like that. That's a little more, you know, he gets to breathe a little more and add a little more scope to the story with the new Avengers and the Avengers tie-ins. So. Well, the way you guys described it to me, it sounds much better than like, you know, the last business comic I read was the Guardians of the Galaxy where it was just like pushing fucking goddamn catchphrases and like fucking attitude. It's just like, and it was like a fucking Sonic, you know, video game. It was like, these guys have attitude. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> Look at Tony Stark fucking a green bitch. Look at Rocket Raccoon killing people. And in this one, the way you describe it, I haven't read it, but the way you describe it makes me want to read it because it sounds like a fucking story, and that's what I would like to get out of my comics. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely a story. I think like all the the main series and probably like the Avengers and new of anything written by Hickman I think is going to be collected in a nice like chunky hardcover that I don't know if it's going to be out by the time we release this but it should be out pretty soon like uh, I think last time I checked on Amazon it's like on pre-order for like 50 bucks but I I definitely recommend it like Sounds well worth it when the way you guys like you guys have made like small nitpicks and like you know said we didn't like about it, but overall you guys have been really positive and I'm I'm kind of sad I didn't get a chance to read it. it. Sounds like a really good story. See, we can be positive. I know, right? Hey. Well, there you have questions, anyone? <laughs> I guess since we're we're kind of wrapped up with the whole uh, Marvel Infinity talk, um, we just wanted to go into some feedback that we got on some recent shows. Um, one of the more recent shows that we did was on the uh, history of the DC universe and over on Facebook, one of our biggest, I, I think our biggest fan, I would say, uh, Tom Spielman, uh, chimed in and wrote a comment on Facebook. And as far as the history of the DC universe episode part two that we did, um, he just says really, really great stuff and we'll track this book down. And, of course, he gave us a like, uh, like he usually does. So we appreciate those comments, Tom, and uh, thanks for listening. And then, of course, we recently also released our RoboCop podcast, uh, 
And of course, the uh, title card that was uh, crafted by our own Tony Jackson that had the part fan, part asshole, all fan hole uh, moniker on it. Uh, Tom also wrote another Facebook comment on that, and he said, Please tell me that slogan up there is the show's new catchphrase. So he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's into the catchphrase. I, I think that was always the intent with the name, that we were yeah, part yeah. fanatic and part asshole. So I, I, <laughs> I, hope, I hope that's not a, a, a new thing. But, but yeah, we, we definitely um, – I, I love that uh, RoboCop uh, mock-up that, that Tony did. So that is very awesome. And, and thank you, Tom, for uh, giving me a little props on that. But yeah, that, that's what we've always been. We've always been part fans, part assholes. So uh, yeah. just 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 because I, I I made that title card, which you know I, I'm glad you gave me credit for. That's what we've always been. We've always been fan holes. And then uh, also, uh, I, I just thought I'd like to read this because uh, you know normally we don't get a lot of detailed feedback from folks. But also on the RoboCop episode, I know that uh, our good buddy Mike Prime over on the Botalk boards, he actually wrote some posts in the thread that we have over there that's supporting the uh, podcast. And um, he, he obviously is a huge fan of RoboCop, so I just thought I'd read out some of the stuff that he wrote on that episode. Um, he, he starts out saying, Aw, you guys are mean to Alex Ross. And I was going to take the full blame for that, but then when I started re-listening to the episode again, I go, oh, yeah, hey, it's not just me. So I can, I can pass <laughs> off some of the blame on the other guys, too. Um, he, and he's referring to what we were talking about, how I make fun of Ross because he said that the Because RoboCop is the first is, comic is book the, character. The greatest, awesome. the greatest comic book movie ever. And uh, so he says, he said that in an old Wizard magazine from the early uh, early double O's. It was about his favorite movie posters, and it included that awful Lone Ranger movie from the early 80s. I admit that the poster for that movie is pretty cool. And then he goes on to say, the extra stuff in RoboCop, I think he's talking about like the X-rated versus the R-rated, is just more gore in scenes you already know. Uh, number one, the Ed 209 boardroom scene. Poor Kinney is shown getting shot excessively by the malfunctioning robot. There are also shots of the technicians trying to pull the circuit boards on that control panel that they've got with them. And then number two, the additional stuff is Murphy's death scene. We see his whole hand get blown to bits. The R-rated version cuts away just before the whole hand is turned into hamburger. There's also a shot where the right arm gets blasted off. You see it fall off his torso. When Clarence shoots Murphy in the head, there's, um, oh, there's the back of Murphy's head, and we see a big chunk fly out. I think that's all as far as the extra footage goes. And then he goes on to say, I, I think now he's, he's concurring with my assessment of RoboCop 3. Um, he says, uh, now that I think about RoboCop 3, it really is more Frank Miller than RoboCop 2. For example, the street gang, the splatterpunks at the start of the movie, they wouldn't look out of place in The Dark Knight Returns. I saw the second and third movies in the theater. RoboCop 3 was delayed because of the bankruptcy troubles of Orion Pictures. I remember liking it because it did look a bit more like the first movie than the second one did, especially RoboCop himself. The movie is also a who's who of actors from 90s NBC TV shows. I regret not buying a full set of the Marvel RoboCop comic books when I had the chance. Dark Horse had a few RoboCop miniseries comics in addition to RoboCop vs. Terminator. 
And then he goes on to talk about his criticism of the uh, Figma RoboCop figure. He says, what stung the most about the Figma RoboCop is how much it costs relative to its size and the lack of a good face sculpt for the head. The old sci-fi figure from the G.I. Joe line uh, is smaller, and it had a more expressive lower half of the face than the Figma RoboCop. Even the DC superpowers Batman looked finely detailed compared to RoboCop. So yeah, those are all Mike Prime's comments on the RoboCop podcast and throwing in some of his own additional insights and knowledge, and I just thought that'd be worth sharing because we don't get that feedback very often. So thanks for that, Mike Prime. Thanks, Tom Spielman. And of course, um, there, there are tons of people who uh, like us on the Facebook pages. I'm just going to, I don't normally get a chance to do this, but I left the Facebook page open, so I just wanted to say, you know, Jan Christofferson, of course, is always liking us. Um, Misty Caps is always giving us likes. Stephanie Young is always giving us likes. Um, You know, my dad, Nathan Bouvier. So, like, all you folks that constantly like our posts on Facebook, we always appreciate it. Thank you for listening and giving us likes on Facebook. Um, and then I guess, uh, moving on from our feedback segment, um, we'll just go into our regularly scheduled segment, which is what is awesome in your world this week. And I will begin by looking at the first avatar and just asking Mike, Hey man, what is awesome in your world this week? Uh, I got two things really quickly. Um, I played, uh, the other night I downloaded and played the next episode of, uh, Fables, A Wolf Among Us. And uh, that's another, like, Telltale game, like their Walking Dead game that we talked about once upon a time, where it's kind of a story that you have to make decisions to advance and stuff. And uh, what do you call it? You know, it's really fun. And, you know, if you're a fan of Fables, which I actually uh, have not read any of the comics, but even if you're not, like, the, the game is very inclusive. And, like, you'll, 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 unless you're, like, dumb, you'll catch on pretty fast, you know, on, as to, like, who's who and what's what. And, you know, it was another, like, you know, very uh, entertaining installment. And I, I should say there were some technical problems with it. Like, since I play it on Xbox 360 and, uh, like, I, ha- I bought the season pass when the first episode came out. But uh, Microsoft had problems and, like, it wasn't, like, registering for people. So, thankfully, I didn't, like, try, like, get charged for it again. But they sent everyone free codes for it. So, like... You know, hopefully they can actually fix it by the time the third episode comes out. So, but yeah, I enjoyed that a great deal. And the other thing is, um, I've been uh like rereading a bunch of like IDW's like Angel comics, and uh, I've been rereading Angel Dark Horse's uh, Angel and Faith series, like just in prep time for because uh, the the new se- quote unquote season of Angel and Faith will be starting soon. So, like, I've been reading a bunch of, like, comics in the Buffyverse recently, and I read um, the Ilaria miniseries by Scott Tipton, and, like, I enjoyed that a whole lot. Like, I like, Ilaria's probably in my top, like, five characters in, like, the Buffy slash Angelverse, and, like, I thought it, I thought it was really, like, a good read, and, like, she got, she gets into a fight with, like, this giant, like, another, like, old one, like, who, like, escapes into our reality, and he's, like, Godzilla-sized and stuff. And, like, Ilaria gets to, like, fight him like she's, like, tiny and stuff. It's, it's really, I love when you, when someone like small, like like Superman, has to fight like you know like Giganto or something, so like Illyria had to fight this giant like 
demon thing. So like I, that was a really good, uh, a really good fight scene, and like I enjoyed that whole mini series. Like period. Who so. publishes those? Mike? Um, Dar. I think the Illyria thing was IDW, yeah, but, but I, um, I think IDW has the. Uh, be a license for uh, Angel and Buffy. I think. Yeah, they they they've since lost it though. Since, oh, okay. uh, then. Like they had Angel for a while, but then now Dark Horse has it. Mm. So like Dark Horse, the only thing Dark Horse has done with Angel is done Angel and Faith so far. So like right. everything before that was IDW. But <laughs> they were like, we gotta we gotta fill that Star Wars void we just fucking lost. <laughs> Yeah, what do you call? It? I guess I guess it, it was it was probably a, a a request from like either Whedon or someone higher up, like to because they wanted all their comics under one roof or whatever. So, you know, yeah, but whatever, you know, they're all pretty good, and at least like Dark Horse tries to like like they don't. Like so far in Angel and Faith, they this kind of like it's Christos Gage writing that book, so like he's he's very very respectful to continuity. So he he throws in a couple like uh uh you know like references to the IDW stuff, but doesn't like let himself get hung up on it and stuff. So well, well, you know that's that, one thing I really like about Dark Horse is they do fan service, but it's not insulting fan service. It's actually very like legitimate fan service, like. We know you like these characters, and we're going to write them the best we can. I, I really like that. Yeah, they're, they're they're pretty respectful. Yeah, but those are my things. Cool, great, Mike. Thanks for sharing those. Um, since you're already talking, Tony, what about you, man? You got any awesome things in your world this week? When is Tony never not talking? God damn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I picked these up. Uh, uh, they're very interspersed, but um. I picked up the Flash Gordon Filmation series and Defenders of the Earth. These are both two things that uh, Derek and Justin both love. Um, Flash Gordon is a great character. Defenders of the the Earth also has Phantom and Mandrake, which are King Features Syndicate's characters. Um, I'm really enjoying the hell out of these. They're very old school. Uh, The Filmation ones are a little cheesy, but there's these great glimpses of awesome animation they reuse animation yeah. a lot but at the same time like the like rotoscope kind of like you know like um uh shit uh the, the guy who did the uh, first super uh fleischer they're kind of like fleischer almost you know it's really really fun stuff and um yeah i'm enjoying the hell of them and they're they're really cheap the mill creek ones me and derek have talked about this before mill creek is not the best distributor because they just put shit in fucking sleeves. <laughs> well, I mean, you, I guess you get what you pay for. You get a really cheap full season set because they acquired all these licenses yeah, and months, rights yeah. for dirt cheap. But of course, they, they pass the dirt cheap onto you by putting exactly. them in little black paper <laughs> sleeves, too. So, oh, no, yeah. eat black sleeves. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it, it does kind of drive me crazy, but at the same time, I'm not going to turn my nose up at uh, a full season of something for, you know, five bucks or nine bucks or whatever they turn oh, yeah, out exactly. to be. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 well, well, actually you're a little wrong in one thing. You get what you pay for because the quality is not great, but at the same time you get shit you might not be able to get otherwise. Cause yeah, they do pick up true. a lot of licenses that like we would, you know, never get. So I'll, yeah, I'll no, I, I was, I was excited because they're going to release Godzilla, the series too. So like there's, there's plenty of licenses that they get that I don't think anybody else would pick up, so. Yeah, they yeah. need to get Exo Squad, so the rest of Exo Squad can get released. 
So I can watch it. I never saw it in my like area. It was on at a ridiculously weird time in the morning, so I never actually watched Exit Squad. But um, but yeah, yeah some, um, someone released the first season of it, but like nothing else. So of course, so it has to remain unfinished for now. Well, it's, yeah. it's easily accessible for free on Hulu if you want to watch it that way. Yeah, at least there's that. So. Yeah, totally. And also, <clears throat> like Derek said, you can go to a dollar store. You can go to like any place that sells DVDs cheap, and you can go on Amazon, and these are dirt cheap, like, fucking collections, and they're they're pretty comprehensive. You don't get bells and whistles, you don't get a lot of, like, flash and bang, you don't get commentary, really, you don't get, like, you know, you don't get, like, Blu-ray quality, but you get stuff you may never never have got a chance to see, so uh, yeah, Flash Gordon, the Filmation series, and Defenders of the Earth, I'm pretty happy with my purchase. For $6? Hell yeah. Those are uh, those are also on Hulu as well. So if you want to watch them for free, you can do that. Cool, cool, cool. Awesome. Justin, my man, what is your awesome thing this week? I have been watching uh, a classic uh, '60s show. You, you guys know I love a lot of uh, '60s TV shows, and I've been watching the first season of My Favorite Martian. Um, <laughs> this has been really great. Like I, I watched it some as a kid, but not a whole lot. But man, Bill Bixby is like really great in the show. Like he, he has such like great comedic timing. He has like a really great range of like comedic fa- facial expressions, and he plays really. Him and Ray Walston, they play off each other like really well. They like they have this really great back and forth, and they're just like really quick. It seems like they're really quick witted with each other. It, it comes that's forth really the, well. That's where the Martian's like little antenna comes out of his head and stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's, that's a really funny show. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, don't don't bother watching that, you know, nineties remake movie with Christopher Lloyd and whoever else was in it. Like that was pretty awful. Oh, like the yeah. the T V show is classic. Like basically the plot is Ray Walston is a Martian and his spaceship is damaged and he has to stay on Earth and repair it and while he's doing this he's living with Bill Bixby who is kind of a, a writer for a newspaper and being a Martian, Ray Walston has various, you know, powers. Like he can turn visible, read minds. Like there's several episodes where he like gets involved in like the daily lives of dogs. Like he has to like solve like this dog, like love triangle or something. Like it's really bizarre, but it was it was hilarious, man. Like I was watching it and I was like, is it gonna be like a whole episode about dogs, like their lives <laughs> and interactions? But it, it, it was pretty funny. Like it was one of the funniest episodes. Like it it's been really great. I love it. And all well, kinds I mean, of fictional Martians like to read minds, I guess. We got John Jones, <laughs> and then we got uh, my favorite Martian. Well, I mean, like, Justin and me do kind of share one thing. It's like when you watch old shows like Adam's Family or Monsters, there there is a word that's thrown around really often, but it doesn't really apply to a lot of things. But certain things are timeless, and I, I, I guess that's what you're saying. This is like timeless comedy. It's still really funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's still relevant. And speaking of monsters, like the last episode I watched, like Bill Bixby had to save Butch Patrick, who played Eddie Monster. Like he was on some kind of like cliff or something, and Bill Bixby was afraid of heights, and the Martian had to like use his powers to get him up this cliff, and then like he lost his powers. So Bill was like climbing down this cliff with Eddie Monster, and you know he had to do it himself without the powers. Like it, it was really great. That's awesome. Cool. Cool. All right, so I guess I'll I'll do a couple of my quick awesome things this week. Um, I've got two things. Um, I just wanted to say 
that I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, a good buddy of mine, his wife was on Arrow last week. If anybody watched Arrow the other week, uh, Nisa Al Ghul was one of the villains on the show, and so she made her debut on the show. So I was kind of really excited for her, and uh, I was talking to her on Facebook, and and also my buddy, um, who you know is her husband, and you know we were just talking about what was going down and everything. And of course, I couldn't say anything about it at the time. But I just wanted to say that uh, it was really cool to see her on the show, and I, I hope the character shows up again so she gets paid some more and, you know, keeps keeps uh, coolness going on, the show Arrow, because I do enjoy following that show from week to week. Um, and then uh, the other thing I was going to mention was uh, I did recently get in the mail a uh, soda uh, Ryu Street Fighter figure. Um, and this is from one of the older lines that's kind of discontinued now. So I guess, I, I don't know if they're hard to come by, but normally they're not really cheap. But uh, I did find one on eBay that was at a semi-reasonable price, and it was pretty cool. Like, I, I enjoy the figure so far. Like, now I've got, like, three of them. So, and they're all kind of Marvel Legends DCUC scale. So I'm, I'm looking forward to having my Ryu punch my Wolverine repeatedly in the face or whatever, you know, so, something to that effect. So, yeah, so that, that's pretty awesome. Um, and I guess that's going to wrap up our show for tonight. Um, if you guys have any more comments or questions, uh, like we were talking about in our little feedback segment this time, um, you can send us emails at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can go to our Facebook. We've got the Facebook page. We've got a Twitter. Uh, we are on Stitcher Radio. So um, if you haven't heard about that already, um, you can get uh, like a Stitcher Radio app for any of your mobile devices, and you don't even have to download the show. You can just listen to it directly. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's all kinds of ways that you can reach out to us on social media. You know, we've got a Tumblr page, you know, all that kind of stuff. So uh, if you're interested in sending us any comments our ways, uh, you know, please go ahead and do so. Um, until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey, it's Mike Underwing. Justin, getting jiggy with it on the moon. <laughs> this is Tony, <clears throat> in a rare uh, moment of uh, niceness. Nissa was really badass, Derek. Good job. She, she, I really enjoy Arrow, so that was really awesome. And also... Thanks to all my friends, because I know like four or five of you have pretty much been dedicated followers on fan holes because I asked you to listen to the show. So thank you so much. I heard a lot of names that I'm very familiar with. So thank you guys for uh, tuning into the show. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks, man. Good night. It's a fan holes world. Peace. First time Derek's been like dropped out. Hey, that's my fault. My my cord is is loose, so uh, um, it it just it's like one of these things where it it'll like fall out and unintentionally, and I don't mean it to. So my bad. It always happens. Those older guys. It's all right, man. I understand. Yeah, it slipped out. I was doing so well. <laughs> Couldn't keep it in. I gotta look out. <laughs>